Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. what day it is huh hump day good morning everyone and happy hump day from the opening drive on 101 espn in st louis where it's seven o'clock your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler with brooke grimsley and matthew rocchio i'm randy Carricker. it is wonderful to have you with us on what is going to be Kind of a miserable, dull, miserable day in the loo, Brooke. Is it really? Oh yeah, forewarned weather right here. Oh, oh. Uh, by the time we get, is, is that? Do they still have that? It's first alert now. Uh, first alert for okay. Channel Four now. They say, you leave it, everything changes. <laughs> it's they, local TV now, Randy. But you know what? Can changes we, all the time. Can we steal first alert then? Oh no, because if you want to go look up at the post dispatch, there's oh, an no, ongoing for- lawsuit. Oh, what about forewarned? Forewarned. Oh, we, so we take that. One hundred one warned. Oh. 101 for you've been forewarned by you've 101. You've been forewarned. There you go. What what would you like to forewarn us about the weather today, Randy? Uh Brooke, by <laughs> eight o'clock, it is going to be thirty-nine degrees with a seventy-five percent chance of precipitation here what? in St. Louis, Missouri. No. Uh, the temperature is going to continue to decrease throughout the course of the day. At sunset, it's going to be about 37 degrees, and it's going to rain or be slushy all day oh. long. I think if we turn to Kent Earhart on first alert. I think Kent might tell us that it is going to be slushy outside, but he is providing us a first alert. I'm providing something else. You're forewarning us. There you go. So you you, you got weather here in St. Louis today. Welcome. Welcome to uh, St. Louis weather. And then it's supposed to snow possibly on Uh, Friday? Huh. Yeah, what is this weather? Blank in New Year, Randy. It was like sixty <laughs> degrees this past weekend. Christmas weekend was like yeah. sixty degrees. Yeah. Are you Are you used to it yet? You've been here five years. Are you used to it yet? Um, you never I can't keep it. Well, it's very similar to Tennessee weather, but it, I would say it's a it's a lot more dramatic here with oh, the yeah. highs and lows. We used to have white Christmas all the time when I was a kid. When I all moved here, yeah. it was snowing. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, we don't have to worry about snow for. The bowl game for Mizzou on Friday night. That game's going to be played at the Jerry Dome in Dallas. Uh, I was at a Super Bowl where the entire week in Dallas was icy, and they aren't really good at driving on the ice in Dallas. No, Randy, the South isn't prepared for that no, kind of they stuff. Weren't. They in put- Tennessee, they would cancel most of the times, even if it was just a certain temperature outside. Because they just don't have the resources and everybody's not used to it. And if there's any ice on the road, we didn't have many snow plows or anything like that. So it was like everything was shut down. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it was that way in Atlanta when the Rams played in Super Bowl 34. The whole week was ice. They Brooke, they canceled a hockey game. What what is hockey played on? Mm, Ice. It was an ice storm in Atlanta and they canceled a hockey game. The hockey players are just like couldn't make it. Just yeah, skate over there, eh? yeah, They're saying, exactly, <laughs> exactly. What are we doing, eh? <laughs> uh, What's going on, eh? Yeah. Anyway, we've got uh, we've got Blues action tonight here on 101 ESPN. The Blues and the aforementioned Dallas Stars. 6 o'clock pregame, uh, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. And the Blues will, if they can come away with a victory, try to get back into that playoff hunt. 
uh, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, I think I've been talking about it since the first five games of the season. Just hang in there with a chance to make the playoffs and see what happens in the last five or six games of the season. If the playoffs started tonight, uh, uh, the Blues would be on the outside looking in. However, Arizona has 36 points. The Blues have 35. And a, a victory for the Blues tonight perhaps would give them uh, a playoff spot, depending on what the Arizona Coyotes do. Our friends from the Valley of the Sun. Let's see if they play tonight. Uh, Clayton Keller and his gang. They do. They play the Avalanche. So, in a rare occurrence, no, it's not going to happen. I'm still going to root for Arizona. <laughs> still rooting for Arizona? It's early in the season. I'm not going to root for Stan Kroenke's team. Uh, and yeah, it's hard to, right? No, it's, I, I, I'll take care of my own business. <laughs> I'm, 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 I want, I, I don't want to, I want his team to lose every single game. Hmm. I think that's a good way to go about it. Thank you. Good, good, good way yes. to go about life. Yes. So, uh, yeah, hopefully the Blues will be able to come away with a victory. The Blues uh, do have uh, a daunting schedule coming up, and we're going to talk about this later in the show. But they have the Stars tonight, then the Avalanche, then they go to Pittsburgh, then you've got Vancouver. Vancouver has the best record in the NHL. The Vancouver at home, then they go to Carolina, and they're in the middle of the pack. Then the Panthers, top 10 team. Rangers, top 10 team. Bruins, top 10 team. And then the Flyers. Nine straight games against teams that are 500 or better for your St. Louis Blues. We'll find out a lot about uh, whether or not Stanley Tucci can uh, really get this team going. Stanley Tucci? Mm-hmm. Oh, guy. yeah. But yeah. my guy behind the bench. He really does look like him, right? He plays him in the movie. There you no go. No doubt about it, Stanley He's Tucci. busy though. with yeah. movies and then also coaching the Blues now. He's a busy guy. He's very yeah. busy. Yeah. But for the Blues, as you mentioned, I mean, even in that game against Dallas recently on December 16th, they were able to erase that two-goal deficit, if you remember, mm-hmm. and come back at right. that one. So there's at least some encouraging signs. And the power play, four for 12 since the coaching Here change. Here comes the power play. Yeah. At least, oh my God, that's that's been one of the most painful things this entire oh, season. The worst. It's been, it, it, the fact that they were on pace to have fewer power play goals than Brett Hall in like his fourth best power play goal season <laughs> with as a member of the Blues. Yeah, Matthew, did you want to add something in there? Matthew Rocchio joining us here. Our, uh, he just had a pithy line and now now forgot no. it. No. No, no I, I got about I got about 17 seconds on those. Oh, okay. And then they just uh, yeah. One of my all-time favorite players, hockey players, was Brendan Shanahan when he was with the Blues, and we used to do a radio show, and he, he would say, "I come up with the best lines for guys. I've, I've got the best one-liners, but the problem is I don't think of them until 10 seconds after I've gotten back to the bench. <laughs> and then it's too late. And then oh, that would have been so funny. <laughs> That's what everybody does, right? You have yeah. those shower thoughts. You're like, oh, I should have so said good. this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have bowl action throughout the world, well, throughout America uh, these days. Yesterday, I was working out and watching the Quick Lane Bowl, Minnesota and Bowling Green. Oh, Bowling yeah. Green with former Mizzou quarterback Connor Baselak. Oh, yeah. Is yeah. that where he's at now? Yeah. The transfer portal has made things so weird where it's hard to keep up with where everybody is. Because he was somewhere else prior to that, I right? I thought he was, yeah. Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Right? And so, so he transferred to Indiana from Mizzou. Uh, Minnesota beat his Bowling Green team. I don't know Bowling Green's nickname. Uh, 30 to 24. Bowling Green? Huskies? No. no. Something more, more bland because their helmet is like orange. They should be the. Bo- they're they're, uh, they're, they're the red and white. Falcons. Oh, Falcons. Okay, Falcons. There you go. That is pretty bland. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Mm. They beat Bowling Green 30-24. to 24. Uh, That pl- the game played in Detroit. The Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. Name that site. Uh, 
come on, guys. I, I, uh, Is there a pro first responder bowl? I got nothing. I'm going to go with Rapid City, Iowa. Uh, uh, no, not Rapid City, Iowa. Is Rapid, it? Grand Rapids. Okay, is it in the south somewhere? Uh, yes, it is. Okay. I'm just going to say Texas. What? There you go. Well done. I feel like there's a lot of bowl games in Texas, Gerald, right? Yep. Gerald Ford Stadium in Dallas, where Mizzou is going to play. Oh, yeah. So okay. a different, different stadium, but uh, Texas State, Texas State, don't know the nickname, uh, beats Rice, the Rice Owls, 45 to 21. The Texas State. Mean Green? Nope. Nope. That's North no, Texas. No. It's North Texas. Okay. Uh, Texas State is. It's an animal. Cougars? No. Close. Ah, close. I don't know. Any guesses? It is a little cat thing. Bobcats? Yes! Let's go! I can picture picture the logo in my head. Every time a bobcat beats an owl, that's just a a nature thing. (laughs) It's a given. (laughs) I wish that that's how it worked out with football teams, right? (laughs) That'd be great. great. Yeah. Yeah. A mascot battle, if you will. Yep. And then the guaranteed raid bowl. This was played at Chase Field down in uh, Phoenix. Uh, The Jayhawkers. With a 49-36 win over Barry Odom, Mizzou grad Barry Odom's UNLV Rebels. 49-36. KU getting tagged for 18 penalties for 216 yards. Did you want to run Lance Leopold now? Yes. This is at the end of the first half? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance Leopold, the head coach of KU, the team that got tagged for 18 penalties in the game. With the good first half of the offense and defense, uh, with the penalties, how do you get better in the second half? I don't know if we can get a new crew or not in time. I tell you what, we have no rhythm in this thing, no whatsoever. I don't know what's going on. I don't even know what to tell my team right now. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> I love that, and I hate that about football. To me, that's one of the reasons that I like college football mm-hmm. better than pro football because ordinarily, now this game was an anomaly, but ordinarily you don't have as many penalties, and there is a rhythm and a flow to the college game that I find more appealing than the NFL game. Not that the NFL game is bad. I just think there's too many rules and too many penalties. Yeah. There, I mean, I you could feel the frustration from him right after that, right? Yeah. And I like his honesty, too. He's like, well, maybe we can just get a new crew out there and help figure <laughs> this out. That has to be extremely frustrating, and I appreciate the honesty that he had there. Fantastic. And uh, Mizzou, as we mentioned, they play Friday night, and we're going to talk to our buddy Howard Richards on Friday morning. But Mizzou with another transfer, Brooke, and you brought this to our attention, another in-conference transfer making his way to the Tigers for next year. Yes, so Florida defensive tackle Chris McClellan is transferring to Mizzou. Now, he is originally from Oklahoma. So, Randy, I don't know if you've been following on X, on social media, and I'm sure some Mizzou fans who are on there know what I'm talking about. Oklahoma fans are getting so mad that Mizzou and Eli Drinkwitz just kind of keeps poaching their talent Mm -hmm. right now. I I would get mad, too. Right. In-state guys, guys that are on their team. Yeah. You know what? If you don't like it, play better or pay better. Or pay better. There we go. It's funny because it's it's something that has been happening behind the scenes in college football, right? Mm-hmm. We know. I yeah. mean, if you even if you watch recently the Johnny Manziel documentary mm-hmm. that's on Netflix, he basically talked about how much money he made behind the scenes. Now it's all legal and you could do it wide open, and it's a part of the game. I think that Eli Drinkwitz has done a good job adapting yeah. to it, and the way that he's been able to utilize the transfer portal is great. Mm-hmm. It's it's what's happening now. You can't well, complain about it. No, especially when you had Barry Switzer paying guys for years under the table. Yes. And probably Bob Stoops, too. And, 
you had players making a lot of money in Oklahoma when everybody else was playing by the rules. Now the rules are different and you can't seem to come up with the cash like you used to back mm-hmm. in the day. Well, you know what? Like we said, uh, that's that's how life go in the SEC. Welcome. Welcome, well, it, Sooners. It is just so funny because I did see some of the comments from Oklahoma fans because they have been pretty mad about some of the talent where they're basically saying like, oh, you're just, you know, this is what happens when you're paying. And it's like, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> I get with the program. I, I don't know. Like, what do you want? What do you want people to say yeah, here? There's a thing called the Supreme Court. I don't know. It almost be like a team not adjusting to the shift being banned in Major League Baseball. <laughs> or something like happen, that and just being confused by that. Never happened. The idea that Oklahoma... <laughs> it's like, get with the program. Ten years after Mizzou left the Big 12 is now saying, oh, what, so it's all about money now? <laughs> and Mizzou fans have to be like, uh, yeah. 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 Where you been? Welcome to the SEC, well, That's brother. why we're here, and that's why you're coming here. Because it's all about money. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. And Chris McClellan, by the way, 6'4", 320 pounds. Ooh, a big fella. Yes. I like that a lot. Well, he out, and he also will have two years of eligibility remaining. Love it, good. And uh, by the way, uh, the, arguably the best defender on Mizzou this year was Tyron Hopper, came from the University mm-hmm. of Florida. So it seems like there's a little bit of a pipeline there too, where Mizzou's going in and grabbing some Florida guys. I like that. I do. Eli Drinkwitz is busy, isn't he? Down He's in Texas, fantastic. wearing a cowboy hat. I don't know if you saw that video, wearing a cowboy yeah. hat, getting ready for the bowl game. But Randy, you mentioned this earlier when we came in. Don't you kind of want him to steal somebody from Alabama? Oh, big time. Yeah, that would be a coup for Eli. And it could happen. You never know. I I wouldn't have thought that they were getting the players that they're getting in the transfer portal. So, yeah, it'd be fun to have a guy uh, right after the bowl game. Well, I I guess Alabama guys have to make their decision right after the semifinal game because I think the deadline's on the fourth. But it'll it'll be fun to see. Hey, and... One other thing before we get to Ask Uncle Randy, and you can get your text in 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO for Ask Uncle Randy. Congratulations to our friends in Detroit with the Pistons. 27 consecutive losses. No, if you set a record, you set a record. And that one's probably not going to be broken. So it's kind of like us with the the murder rate. I mean, it's... you got to win at something, and they're winning at losing in in Monty Williams. Highest paid coach in the NBA, Monty Williams. Mm -hmm. 27 losses in a row. So do you put a banner up for that? I think you do. To remember all these losses? I I saw some people on social media talking about how basically a soul for a soul. So you have the Lions doing really well right now. 11-4, we talked about them and the success Mm -hmm. they've had this year. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. Detroit. Yep. Yeah. It is a soul for a soul. Uh, You know what, though? It's yeah, an eye for an eye. It's that's cool. I think there's a lot of Detroit fans who would make that trade. Who are like, you know what? A hundred percent of them. A hundred percent of them. Absolutely. Unless you just don't care about football and you only care about basketball. But if you're an overall general sports fan like we were, Mm -hmm. are, and you could trade for that franchise. By the way, the Pistons have won three championships. That, I was about right. to say, like, think about it, the age yeah. groups of people in Detroit. If you're 20 years old, yep. you know, you grew up on you grew up on that 05 on that 04 championship. If you're th- if you're 40, you saw and at least grew up on the bad boys yep. winning championships. Yep. So you have stuff to lean on, but you don't have it if you're as if, if your you Lions are, have. If you are 30, you were born the year the last time the Lions won a division. If you're 30, yeah, and the the Lions have won one playoff game 
since 1957. So you, I, I would take it 100% of the time if I'm in Detroit. Oh, yeah. And it's been a good season, 11-4. and four. I know they have had a few bad losses here or there, but it's been a good season oh, for them. And the, the St. Louis Lions, mm-hmm. because you've got Jack Fox, their punter. No. You've got Jamison Williams. Yes. You've got Sam Laporta. I mean, it's really cool what they've got going there. Oh, Have you guys heard the, the, the conspiracy theory about the Pistons? No, what is it? The last time they made the playoffs, Blake Griffin was the leader of that team, pretty much dragged them there, Mm -hmm. and he got booed like throughout the season because he got paid so much. Uh And so everyone's like, well, yeah, this is what happens when you boo the last time you actually go to the playoffs. You get get to suck for next, like, two decades. Get over it. Don't boo playoff teams. There you go. Mm. One time, Brooke, uh, when the Rams were, like, at the the depths, uh, my son and I, we wore paper bags with eye hole cutouts and ram horns that, that were... Uh, we, uh, uh, adorned oh on the gosh. side. Do you yeah. have a photo of this? I don't know if we have a photo of it, but yeah, we did wear bags over our heads to Rams. Games. They deserved it. Yeah, they did big time. They were asking for it. They wanted it. All right. So coming up, we've got Ask Uncle Randy. By the way, we're going to talk to uh, we're going to talk to Jamie Rivers, who does not like to get up. He's kind of like Kerry Davis. Normally, we have our blues booth He's at eight fifteen. He's huh? on the ice at eight fifteen. Oh, okay. Or, or yes, so, you're I'm, like calling him out. So, totally, so totally. he told me. Okay. Mm. So anyway, Rivers is going to join us at 9.15. Okay. So that, that's what we got going on today. Poor Rivs. <laughs> Sorry, Rivs. Whoopsies. My, my bad. Oops. Well, he's probably not listening right now. He's yeah, probably not totally awake. not up. <laughs> totally. Do not mess with Randy Carricker's benchmarks. <laughs> Coming up. Is, was that a benchmark? Oh, yeah. Kind of. Blues booth at 8.15 kind of is, yeah. yeah. Kind yeah, of yeah is, we'll yeah. switch it around. All right. Uh, so ask Uncle Randy as we approach 2024. We've got New Year's coming up. If you have a New Year's, ask Uncle Randy. Get it in now to the text line 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho. Yo-ho. Ask oh, that Uncle was a Randy. Quick one. Hmm? That was a quick one. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Hold on, kids. We were talking. I've been around, you know. There we go. We were complaining about consultants in our business. <laughs> you know, just just yeah. casual things. Yeah. But if you have a question for Uncle Randy or uh, Aunt Brooke or Cousin Brooke. Hmm. Mm, hmm. Probably, probably Cousin. Cousin Brooke, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and Cousin Matthew is here as well. Uh, we'd love to have you join us on the text line. And Matthew has... I'm sure tons of texts from people who are just wondering, what do I do? It's the turn of a new year and the turn of a new leaf. So how do I go about approaching 2024 with the way I approach fandom of a sports team, with the way I approach my love life, with the way I approach my uh, family situation? How do I approach New Year's? Matthew, what do you got for us? This is from uh, the 618, and honestly, I think it might be the same person who accused us of lying about having like a recorded interview and being like, and being like oh, angry okay. about that one, because he's also like, hey, Uncle Randy, so is Dan a permanent part of the show or not? Like, we've been coy about this. Uh, yes. <laughs> As we mentioned on Friday, when Dan joined us, Brooke was out that day, Dan McLaughlin will be a part of the opening drive starting on January 9th. 
And he'll be with us Tuesday through Friday, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think that's... Anybody heard anything different than that? That's no, right. Tuesday through Friday uh, with Danny Mac. Yeah, on the opening drive. Danny Mac, Brooke, and Randy. And uh, obviously, we'll have plenty to cover on Mondays. But uh, yeah, Dan's going to start with us on January 9th, and we're really looking forward to it. Yeah. Uncle Randy, if you were facing a kid in the fight, would you show any mercy towards them? Jamie beat a kid yesterday in the gauntlet in the random category. Wait, okay, well, what? this is different. If it's, a, if, if it's a physical fight, I'm just holding him off with my, my long arm and my reach, okay? But in the fight, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what who the person is or what they've done. So I have no idea if the kid's really smart or if he got any right. I come in with the idea that my job is to get every question correct. So no, I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to show. Did any this actually mercy. happen yesterday? Did you he face yeah, the we got multiple. We got multiple texts about it. Somebody said, "Rivs, you can't be proud about beating up an 11 year old." Oh, yes, you can. Of course he can. Quick question, Randy. A win's a win. Let's let's get down to brass tacks. Okay. The, the real things that you have in your hands, which is what happens with the Sounders. Oh well, do you pull back on the sound, or is it, or is it just, is it just simply good effort, good effort? Do you have you guys told me that the kid was like a trash talker? No, he wasn't a trash talker. He was, we just told you that he, oh. he, we just told you that he was like twelve. No, then I'm, I'll just play it straight. Okay, but at the end of the day, they're getting that, no doubt about it. <laughs> and there's that's not all. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. Doesn't matter how old you are. (laughs) You play to win the game. Now I have to go back and listen to this because I just want to hear how well. And we can ask him about it, of course. We can ask Rivs about how well he did against the 11-year-old from what I'm seeing from Tex. Multiple times when my kids were younger, we would have Patrick participate in the fight Father's Day week. And I believe he can text me if I'm wrong. I know he's listening. Mm -hmm. I believe I beat him every time. (laughs) Apparently the the fighter was his girlfriend's son, which is even funnier. What? (laughs) Because you know that kid was was trash talking for like the last two or three weeks before. Like, Jamie, I can take you. I can beat you. Yeah, the crushing part comes in there. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Dear Uncle Randy, don't you think that since Johnny Manziel was able to keep his Heisman in Texas and Texas was able to keep their victories with him getting paid, that Reggie Bush should be able to have his Heisman reinstated, and USC should have their victories reinstated. I also do want to say that a kid got out of a Lamborghini to go to a signing ceremony last week. I saw that. I just want to like throw some little more context into the college game right now. Yeah, the NCAA is so inconsistent, and obviously so is Heisman Trust with situations like this. Yeah, I think that number one. If you win the game, I don't care if wins are vacated. If I saw you win the game, I I saw the Fab Five, they won all the games, and they were the best team. You can vacate all the wins you want, but they were the best team, and that's not going to change my mind. And I do think, I look at it this way, all of these guys should, when they win the Heisman, they should keep their Heisman because you did it for what you did on the field. You won the Heisman. You got the votes for what you did on the field. doesn't matter how you got to a particular institution. So, yeah, I think they should. I think uh, somebody stole OJ's. And then uh, did he? Was that oh. when it went? Yeah, he stole it back. That's why he went to jail. He, yeah. Came to get my stuff. Yeah. And it was, yeah. was it in Vegas? Yeah. Or am I yeah. That's where he wound that? up in jail. No. That's where he wound up in jail. I, I do kind of, I, 
I was about to say I felt bad for OJ. I was so close no. to saying it. Bro, no, I was so bro, close general, to saying it. General that, that, was, that was the most blatant make good in the history of criminal justice. They yeah. were they were making up for what failed in L.A. Mm. Here, here, Vegas thing. It's, someone, it's like an NHL referee. Yeah. If someone robs you, you should be able to rob them back. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you can't hold them at gunpoint. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> or, you know. If you want to get into particulars. Yeah. yeah. And especially if you've been accused of double murder. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And may or may not have done it. Is there a book? There, There is a book. I, I think what you'd say is he's paying a lot of money in a civil suit. Mm. Well, mm. yeah, oh, he's supposed I, don't, to be. I, I don't think he is. He's supposed to be paying yeah. a lot of money in a civil suit. Diogo Randy and Cousin Brooke, I do not like New Year's Eve. I've never liked it. I've never found a way to have that much fun. It always seems like a solid night, but not too good. And it seems overrated and it costs me a lot of money. What do you think about the holiday? What should I do? All right. I am very cool with staying at home on New Year's Eve. And I really like it when there are bowl games. I don't think there are bowl games this year. It's mm. it, uh, There might be an NFL game, though. I have no problem with uh, people call it amateur night and I'm not a drinker. I'm, I, I guess if I drank, I would be an amateur. But yeah, I don't think that there's any real necessity to go out to a big party. No, I don't think so either. Wait, you said you're going to do Top Golf. Right? Yeah, yeah. Top Golf's where it's at. I didn't even from, know. So yeah, they do a cool New Year's when Eve. When it hits party. midnight. Yeah, fireworks go off and stuff. They have you stop playing golf balls. and they shoot off. Fireworks. Oh, I was like, well, that'd be cool if you could hit a ball right at midnight. Oh, that'd be, I think if you save one, you could. Mm. Good thought. I agree with you. I think that, well, used to growing up like in the Nashville area, of course, a lot of people go to Broadway. If you've gone to Nashville for New Year's Eve, it is an absolute nightmare. If you're listening and you're thinking about going to Nashville for New Year's Eve, just don't do (laughs) it. Don't do it. Don't do it unless you like spending a lot of money and being stuck in a giant crowd. Randy, I told you this and I'll, I'll reveal it. My parents will probably get a good laugh out of this, but I did it one year and it's so packed on Broadway that you can't move anywhere. You really couldn't get a drink. People are really hammered and somebody peed on my feet. What? That's awful. Because they just went. Yeah, because it was so hard to get to a bathroom. Yeah. And so they just decided right then and there that they were going to go to the bathroom. And now people understand why I've been to St. Louis more dear all like twice. Well, mm-hmm. how would- uh, exactly. I can't I can't do the big crowd. So I understand. I think it's fun to maybe have some friends over. Or just do a smaller get together to get together for New Year's Eve. Has there been a time in your life, and you guys are a lot younger than I am, but would you like to do Times Square on New Year's Eve? Ooh, maybe just once to say I did. Mm-hmm. But then that would be enough, probably yes. for me. Yeah. Have you ever done it? No, uh-uh. we've done Thanksgiving. We've done the parade, which is cool in Times Square. But I don't think that I would like to. Uh, I don't think I would like that situation just being, you're basically cattle. It's pretty low on my bucket list, to be honest. That's not, there's a lot of places I, I, I want to be for a certain time before yeah. I care about. Yeah, it's just New Year's, I'm, I'm kind of with this, the, the texture. New Year's never really, it's fun, but like, it's never as fun as it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's always supposed to be like, this is a night. Yeah. New year, new me. It's never that. It never plays out that way. And if it does, your Instagram must be really fun to look at. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dear uh, Uncle Randy, uh, Santa didn't bring my million dollars. What do I do now? Uh-oh. I would say that you uh, need to keep buying those lottery tickets. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Santa. You can be the lottery guru. Yeah, million bucks is that's chicken feed now. That's chicken feed doesn't, now. Doesn't go as far as it used to. 
well, it kind of helped out Donald Trump when he was a little bit younger. But then oh, that was true, that, that was a while ago. Papa too, right? Yeah, just a small yeah. million dollar loan. Yeah, as our late great friend Chris Duncan used to say, "Hey, insurance on a Lamborghini is expensive." <laughs> <laughs> it's very expensive. <laughs> Uh, and you're right, Randy. No uh, college football games because New Year's Eve is on a Sunday, so we got a full slate of NFL games leading us right to midnight. Do we, Not really. Do we have a, like Bears and Vikings on uh, uh, Sunday Night Football? So Sunday Night Football is. Or I think it's Packers. Packers yeah, Vikings. Uh, yes, Packers Vikings is, is a Sunday Night Football exciting. game. Yes. So that's so exciting. That'll be fun. Um, yes, the semifinal games are on uh, Monday. All right. So yeah, no no college football on New Year. Sorry, everybody. Good. Is that all we got? That's all we got. Okay, good. Uh, thank you very much for your texts into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-Yo-Ho. I'm looking. I think that, um, okay, so it was January 30th of 2014, did uh, the Music City Bowl and did the Blues and the Predators. <laughs> Brian Elliott came back. But it's, see, uh, I think that's when Martin Brodeur came to the Blues and stole number 30 from one young goaltender named Jordan Binnington. Mm. And that's when Binner switched to number 50, is when Martin Brodeur came here in 2014. Mm. So now you know via radio. <laughs> You're forewarning us again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There and you go. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, does Cardinal Pobo John Mozeliak deserve a mulligan for 2023? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. After 15 straight winning regular seasons, the Cardinals won only 71 games last season. And John Mozeliak has mentioned over the course of the last, oh, eight, ten months, he says, hey, my track record here is pretty good. We've done a pretty good job. And basically saying that we deserve a, a mulligan. We deserve one misstep. And obviously the Cardinals, under John Mozeliak's leadership, are going to get a mulligan. Uh, the, the question today is, how much of a mulligan does he deserve? And, Brooke, uh, we'll start with this. I I would suggest that after the 15 straight winning seasons, even though I don't agree with everything the Cardinals did before last season or have done, I do think that the body of work is such that if I were in that situation, if I had had 
great ratings or very good ratings for 15 consecutive years and then had one off year, I would hope that my employer would look at the big picture and say, you know what, he deserves another shot because he's done it for for us before. So I would say, yes, a mulligan is a, a worthy investment for the Cardinals here. What do you uh, think? Well, of course, I think that two things can coexist at the same time, right? Because you can look at the overall body of work, and it has been excellent for John Mosellock. With I mean, you mentioned there, 15 straight winning seasons for the Cardinals, but at the same time, we operate in a recency bias mm-hmm. as human beings, right? Every sport does. You look at the recent body of work and what has happened. What happened this past year, yes, it was one year, but I think that there was other things leading up to this where it's decisions that were under John Mosellock's watch. Even with Ali Marmal, everything that happened this past season, there was only so much that Ali Marmal could do with the pitching staff that he was given. And that's a roster decision, mm-hmm. which falls back on John Mosellock. Also, other decisions that were made. We've seen how the how he was able to you know, handle the free agency and also things via trades. Of course, bring in Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt. Are, and Paul Goldschmidt is home runs, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, I feel like there's still that fear of past mistakes of trading away players where it's like ghosts of Cardinals past, right? You're always going to look at Randy Rod- Rosarina. You have Adolis Garcia. You have Zach Gallen. You have Sandy Alcantara. You have the list goes on and on mm-hmm. and on where those are more kind of recent decisions and people will look at that also recent body of work, but it doesn't take away from everything that he's done prior to that. It's just that right now, you're going to look at what the results are showing you. The Cardinals have more of their products in Major League Baseball on Major League rosters than any other organization does. The problem that the Cardinals have is that it's the guys that they would like to have on their Major League they, rosters exactly. that are succeeding on other Major yeah. League rosters. So it's, it, the knife cuts both ways here because while the Cardinals have done a good job of developing players, unfortunately they've developed them for other teams. But as we mentioned, 15 straight winning seasons, two pennants, a world championship, five trips to the NLCS under mm-hmm. Mosellock and those trades that you mentioned. But there are a lot of negatives there. The lack of ability to evaluate their own minor leaguers. Uh, I would suggest that the lack of communication, the the quality communication with their customers has, uh, their fans, their customers, uh, has been a real detriment. And I'm finding that with uh, season ticket holders that I talk to, and you've talked about this a lot since the season ended, it's not a very dif- difficult thing to accomplish in their situation. All you need to do is get before 20 media members, right? Yeah. And I can tell you for a fact that I know a lot of people say, oh, the media here is soft. We, we've seen those comments come in, Randy, where supposedly mm-hmm. media here is not asking the tough questions and stuff. But I see media as a way to directly communicate with fans. That's what the media personnel are meant to do. And so with John Mosellock and the Cardinals not doing that, just it's so simple to do the end of season press conference. I know that we really harped on this when we were waiting around for it to happen. But after a season like that, Randy, is it not just at least fair? You don't have to go and answer every single thing of this is what we're going to do. I know that things are going to change. It's going to be a very fluid process. But why not just go stand in front of the media members and address the fans and say, look, this was unacceptable what we had. And I know that he has said it in various separate Mm -hmm. interviews, but just go ahead and address the media all at once and say this is unacceptable and we're working on it and doing that prior to that whole Sonny Gray signing, which happened. And Brooke, the other part of this is apples to apples, same town, Doug Armstrong fires the coach and says, hey, this is my team. This is my fault. Mm -hmm. There's total accountability on the part of the Blues 
Poho, Poho and general manager. And I just don't sense the same level of accountability from Mo. I, I don't think I've ever heard. I, I've heard Mo say that it's not Ali's fault, but I, I haven't heard Mo say this is my team and this was my fault. Well, and he did say that he's very bullish about Ali Marmal, but we know mm-hmm. the whole contract situation with Ali yep. Marmal, and this is a very big year for him. But at the same time, if you do want to look at the whole manager situation, we've seen the changes, you know, bringing in after Tony Russa, Mike Matheny, and how that went. And then you bring in Mike Schilt, which Mike Schilt did a great job. And obviously there were some philosophical differences there. And so it didn't matter who you brought in afterwards, whether it was Ali mm-hmm. Marmal, whoever it could have been within the organization, outside the organization, it would look like okay, if you don't follow what I say, then things are not going to work out. And so that perception exists because of the way that things were handled with Mike Schilt. But even after a season like this, this was a dugout staff. And Randy, you've said this so much, that really saw and sat and watched the decline of the team's defense, base running, situational hitting, Mm -hmm. fundamentals. And so when you don't have anybody kind of holding accountable for that, then what does that look like? Yeah, and you need to have that. You need to have great defense now to win in Major League Baseball. And that goes back to the perceived level of power that Mosellock has over the on-field product. And uh, there are people that complain to this day about the Cardinals not hiring Tito Francona, who wanted the managerial job after La Russa retired. People complaining to this day, one of them sitting in this chair right now, not about the fact that they fired Mike Schilt, but about the secrecy surrounding the firing of Mike Schilt. And then mm-hmm. another thing that I think that you don't give a mulligan for is a continued lack of foresight. For example, this answer in the post-22 press conference that they did have asking about if roster construction will be different because of the forthcoming rules changes. I don't think the rule changes are going to affect how we think about our roster all that much. I think maybe a year from now we might more because we'll get to actually see it. Um, I mean, obviously the biggest thing is going to be how defensively people play with the shift and then I think left-handed batters do they actually improve because there's the lack of shift but I think one of the things that we'll all probably just pay attention to is is the game being played differently or not but um, as far as we enter this offseason we won't radically rethink how we put our roster together. Brady, you say this all the time. That's being reactive rather mm-hmm. than proactive. You have to be proactive so that you're not chasing or falling behind where well everybody else is adjusting and also working about two, ten steps ahead for some of these other teams. It kind of reminds me of what we just heard recently about the pitching philosophy, changing to more swing and miss, which has that been added yet? I think to a, a, a small guy, degree, guy, but you're degree, still right? going to now, if you're going to change your pitching philosophy from an organizational standpoint, that's going to have to be developed now at the minor league level. And Brooke, one of the things that bothers me in, in regards to foresight, number one, the lack of ability to adjust to not having the shift was devastating for the Cardinals defensively. And I said it all year long. I, I said, you, and in their defense, Paul DeYoung got hurt and lost a step. But you didn't play your best defensive infield, even at the beginning of the season. You didn't play your best defensive infield, and it hurt you. And the other thing about the rules changes, he didn't mention the bigger bases. 
Why were the Reds good? It's hard to figure out why the Reds were good when you look at them statistically, but they led Major League Baseball with 190 stolen bases. The Arizona Diamondbacks went to the World Series. They had 166 stolen bases. Teams that you wouldn't think have a ton of talent stole a lot of bases, and that led to a lot of runs. The Tampa Bay Rays had 160 stolen bases. The Cleveland Guardians in the hunt all year long had 151. The Phillies stole 141. The Cardinals, let me scroll down here, they had 100. And with all the athleticism, 101 stolen bases. They didn't utilize their athleticism in a situation in which baseball was saying, hey, we're going to bring athleticism back to the game. Theo Epstein said that's why they were expanding the bases. And the Cardinals didn't take advantage of a rules change. And that lack of foresight is another reason to... If, you, if you're going to make this decision, come down one way or the mm-hmm. other, you say the fact that they're reactive rather than proactive is a reason to not give Mo a mulligan. Uh, yes, I think that that's a very valid point because I, I just don't believe that this is a one-off season. I think that there was a lot of different things. As I mentioned, the manager switches, all that different kind of stuff that really led us to this point. And I'm also taking into account that you did have the World Baseball Classic. I know that we heard so much about this going the season, and maybe that is a part of this, whereas you have a perfect storm with Wilson Contreras coming in. You have a new catcher at the helm that's taking over for the Yadier Molina, but nobody was expecting Wilson Contreras to be Yadier Molina. No. I think that they weren't even prepared for that big right. shift of a change, bring in a new catcher and not maybe possibly recognizing everything that Yadier Molina did for this organization, not just behind the plate, but the way that he worked specifically with those pitchers. So we want you to take a look at this from a 5,000 foot point of view. I know that some have an inherent bias against John Mozeliak, and I get it. I would guess that 0% of you have an inherent bias towards John Mozeliak, but I think you can be rational enough to say, okay, with the positives that have come out of this, maybe a, maybe a mulligan is, is a given. But maybe we look at what happens in April and May and, and then take a second look. We want your mic drops. We're going to take a look at this again at 8 o'clock. We want your mic drops with the 101 ESPN app. You can mic drop us as to why Mo does or doesn't deserve a mulligan. And I think there's real solid arguments on both sides. I will say this. When you have Newt Barr, Edmund, Walker... Mason Wynn, Brendan Donovan, if you don't finish top five, if you aren't in the top five in stolen bases all year long, that's inexcusable. And mm-hmm. that's something where you you have to get away from your marriage, and it's a real good marriage, apparently, to analytics. Sometimes you have to break up. And sometimes you have to do something that's out of their comfort zone. You can't treat each of those 27 outs like gold. Sometimes the best thing to do is to try to win rather than not try try to not lose. And I think that's one of the that's why why the Cardinals were boring to watch because they were playing not to lose rather than playing to win. 100%. And that's what you felt like every time that you watched the games. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a boring team to watch. It really was. So, and and we and to your point too, we've seen that those players had the capability of doing that. Yeah. It would be one thing if mm-hmm. we've never seen them do anything like that before, but we have seen that they had the capability to do that. Yeah. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. Take it or leave it coming up. 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho. Tioli next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? 
take it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Brooke Grimsley, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Uh, Brooke, did you see that Ja Morant in his first week back is the NBA Player of the Week? Take it or leave it. He came back and fired like a bullet. Oh, Randy. No. I thought you were about to say what he did last night. What did you not see that? No. He he did the whole oh, did finger he? guns oh, to I the like crowd. That. Good. He's showing me something. He, he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to take it, Randy. Hmm. You yeah. would think that he would avoid any hand gesture I think like so. that. Just yeah. just to be on the safe side. Did okay. you see it, Ross? Yes. Do you know and, what I'm talking about? Is, and, and yes, because when he had the first game and he went off and he hit the game winner, in my head I go, don't make the joke. Everyone's going to think it's stupid. He's not actually dumb enough to at any point do a celebration that involves finger guns this season. He will not make that mistake no matter how atomic he goes. And then within the week, yes. as Brooke says, he, he to. goes to finger guns as one of his celebrations. And it's like, dude, you couldn't make it a week? Why would you not just like practice some other celebration like, Here's the thing. Go ice in your know. veins. It's got a much better connotation for you than it used than, than for other players. My mouth. Like, just do that one. It's not great, but it's better. Mm-hmm. Why? Just why? <laughs> Can we him. come up with a different celebration for him? Is there something similar ooh, to the finger? Ooh, I got it. Ready, bro? Oh, no, the throw no, slash? The not throw the slash? slashing. Why can't please, we do that one? No. Is that OJ? That's a good point. Is that yeah. OJ? No, please yeah. don't. You, you would think. Don't, it's so frustrating when there's people you don't know, obviously, yep. but then you see them and you just want to shake them and be like, come on. Just like the, the fist pump, right? Yeah. You know, that, that wouldn't be bad. No, it wouldn't be bad. It pretty well for a pretty good player. Yeah, there you go. It works yeah. out pretty well. Take it or leave it. We were discussing this coming in this morning, but despite the way that the game went the other day, the 49ers, the NFC is still theirs to lose. I'll take it. I don't think the 49ers lose, a, or I don't think they win a game by less than double digits in the playoffs. They get the bye in the first week, and I think whoever they would play in the divisional round and the NFC Championship game, I think they beat them by at least 10. Mm. Whoever it is. Oh. What about the Eagles? Is So, is that where your thought process they'll, they'll, is right now? That the Eagles might not be... How bad did they beat Philly in Philly? Was it 42-19? Yep. I believe that's the... Hmm. And I, we talked about it earlier. The Lions are an exciting story, but it doesn't feel like they would be able to. No, I don't think so. No. And they did have some pretty bad losses. They lost against the Bears, right? Or no? Who was it that they lost against? Uh, I was Lions, to yeah, of. lost. No, they beat the Bears at the end. That was a month ago. Good pull. 42-19. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. They lost to... Well, they started out with a great win against the Chiefs. And then they lost to the Packers. Okay. Which isn't a disaster. No. No. But I, I just I think that San Francisco still is that much better, and I, I just don't see anybody. Well, well, just look right now. At, at oh, the, they did lose to the Bears at one point. Oh, oh okay, that was the second game. Okay. Yes, uh huh. That they couldn't come back. Uh, does Philly go into San Francisco and hang with them? No. Does Detroit? No. Tampa Bay? No. Dallas? No. Uh, no. Rams? No. The Rams just don't. They they don't hang with the Niners. Uh, Seattle, no. I, I just don't see a team that goes into San Francisco and, and hangs with them. If Trent Williams is hurt, is Aiden Hutchinson enough to single-handedly 
wreck that 49ers offense. Well, in the front, in the, in the, in you the have two weeks of the season and then two weeks before the, they would play a game. True. So Trent Williams with a minor groin injury, and he could have come back the other night if the game was in the balance. I don't think, uh, well, unless there's another injury, I, I'm not really worried about that. Take it or leave it. Blues win three of their next five. Their next five, by the way, are Stars, Avalanche, Penguins, Canucks, Hurricanes. Leave it. Ooh, you're not buying in on the whole new coach energy spark? I'm going to give them two, though. I'm going to give them two victories there, but not three. By the way, it doesn't get any easier after that. It goes Panthers, Rangers, Bruins, Flyers. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to leave it, too. I I would love to be sunshine and lollipops in this situation, but that is a very tough stretch. And we could be completely wrong about that. We could. By the way, the uh, 49ers had won every home game by at least double digits before losing to the Ravens on Monday night. Mm. Uh, So it was, uh, let's see, beat the Giants 30 to 12, Cowboys 42 to 10. Bengals 31 to 17, Bucks 27 to 14, Seahawks 28 to 16, and then lost to the Ravens. So not only were they unbeaten at home, but every game that they had played at home was at least a double digit win. And they get uh, the Rams to finish up the season. After going to Washington this week, they get the Rams to finish up the season. So, and then playoffs, I think it'll be the same. We'll, we'll see more of the same. Take it or leave it. If Jason Tatum had to retire after this season, he'd make it into the Hall of Fame. Leave it. I'm going to leave that one as well. I'm going to have to leave it, too. I think that he winning a championship, he's not quite Charles Barkley. Yeah, I don't think he's close to the best player to not win a championship. He's at right now, he'd be at 500 games. His career averages would be 23-7-4, and four, and he'd finish with five all, probably five All-Stars, four All-NBAs, and then an All-Rookie in Eastern Conference Finals MVP and an All-Star MVP. No. It's, yeah. Well, and, he, and he doesn't have the college career to buffer it. No. About a month ago, Paul Pierce said that Jason Tatum was the best American player. Well, right um, now? No. Outside of Steph Curry? No, it's not Steph Curry. Uh, I still think Kevin I would Durant? take Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than Durant, though, it's... Paul Melvin, Pierce says that Jason Tatum uh, has surpassed Kevin Durant and LeBron James. I could see that. But also, you gotta, you also have to factor in that Paul Pierce hates LeBron James. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I've gathered that from a lot of the stuff yep. that he has said. Jimmy Butler? Kevin Garnett lit him on fire for the take. <laughs> yeah. I love him for that. Oh, Jimmy Butler. Well, playoff Jimmy. Yeah. Mm, Hemi. <laughs> Hemi Butler. I don't know yeah. why that really got me. Um. <laughs> uh, t- Take it or leave it. I needed six points from Brock Purdy to make my championship game. I got one. So do I now quit football? Uh, No, uh, you never give up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Mm -hmm. So I have a buddy who lost a game on a four-yard pass garbage time to Saquon Barkley. Lost his fantasy game. So no, you don't give up. You just come back and think that you're good next year. There you go. So I was watching the Warriors... Wizards game the other day, mm-hmm. and the Wizards hit a junk three at the buzzer when it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And the Warriors bench reacted heavily to it because it hit the over by one point. There you go. Oh. Yep. And that's odd to me. I'm not one of those like people. We have a Conspiracy texter who thinks that, that gambling's ruining professional sports and that everything's rigged. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going that far. It was odd to me, though, that literally oh, the Wizards take a junk three. It beats the over mm. by one. And the entire, like, four guys on the Warriors bench are like, oh! Yep. It's, it's just... It's a cool way for a group to watch a game. Especially if you, <laughs> if, if you have, like, six people 
and three are on one and three are on the other side. And the NBA over under, I mean, Vegas is incredible with oh, how they ridiculous. nail it. And even if you don't have money on it, it's really fun to watch a game from that prism. It is. It, it is. It, 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 you need a group of people. I've done it. Uh, one time we were, again, at a Super Bowl, we went to a Pacers game. It was in Indy. And Zach McCright and DeMarco, who neither, I think Zach might have been a degenerate, but DeMarco never gambled <laughs> on anything. But we, we had you know six or eight people, and everybody knew the over-under, and it was the same situation. Somebody hit at the end of the game to mm-hmm. have the game go under. And, oh, and it was it was it was a twenty point game, but it goes over, and it was incredible. It was just an, the the rush, the adrenaline rush is amazing. I think that's what keeps people addicted, Randy. Yeah. So there's a good and bad part yeah, of that. Yeah, right. You just if you don't have money on it, though, it can still be exciting. So you're saying like Gary Payton the second they was talking to a guy in like the first row, yeah. and he had the bet, and they well, were like, and they were and they were they were all just kind of in on it at that point. It could be, or the players they aren't immune to this they know so if you have one group you start the game saying oh man there's no way we go over tonight we aren't going to score enough and then another group says oh yeah we're going over and then so the players are invested in it for the whole game what the hell else are you going to do if you're a Washington Wizard right so I think it's great I think it's terrific thank you Matthew thank you Randy coming up we're going to listen to your mic drops we also want to get your text does Mo deserve a mulligan for 2023 he has it but does he deserve it that's next on 101 ESPN you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Moe's philosophy has been the downfall of the Cardinals. That's been the problem. Ever since he has taken over and Tony left, it has gone down, 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 down. Thank you for the mic drop, Janet. Does Mo deserve a mulligan for 2023? This from the 314. The current status of the Cardinals is 100% on Mo. No mulligan. 2022 was an aberration. Marmol, first season, he had Wainwright, Pujols, and Molina, along with Skip Schumacher and Mike Maddox. Marmol failed to manage and manage players. 2023, we saw Moe's baby bird get kicked out of the nest, and they couldn't fly with Moe's team. Moe's baby birds get kicked out of the nest, and they couldn't fly with Moe's team. Uh, So, yes, that is... Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't think there is an invalid opinion here, Brooke. I think everybody's people here are invested and, and they know what they're talking about. Let's get to Lisa next. Is that where we're going, Matthew or who, or, or Evan? Who, who is I going to go with? You, yeah, let's go with Lisa next. Lisa is next here on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals, we know they're never going to be able to spend everybody. And I get that. But we have to do everything else well. You have to play great defense. You have to be able to situational hit. You've got to be super intelligent. Over, be, be the guy in the dugout to overthink, overmanage the other team because we're never going to have the highest payroll. So all the other things we have to do exceptionally well to be competitive. And when we're competitive... We show up. But when you can't situational hit, when you can't run the bases, when you play bad defense, I don't have to spend my money on that. And get some collaboration with the dugout. All right. Thanks. I love Lisa and Janet. Those are my ladies. Mm -hmm. They are so fiery, (laughs) and I appreciate everything they said. And I think that's a really good point that Lisa just brought up here because – 
I was thinking about this the other day. We keep hearing about, okay, players have to want to come here. I totally understand that. That's not a new concept. Also hearing, well, you know, players just want to go to the coast. Randy, the coasts have been here for a while, right? <laughs> yeah, like right. That, That's not brand new. And didn't we just <laughs> The beaches hear? didn't just appear. Yeah. Didn't we just hear from the Giants and the people around the Giants that they have a city problem? Mm, isn't, yeah. Isn't San Francisco, I, I've been there. I've seen the edge of the country. I've, I've seen yeah. an ocean. It's a coast. And no, no, free, no American free agents are going there. Yes. And... I think that that's where my frustration comes in is I'm fully aware geographically of where everything is and it's been there for a hot minute. So, of course, there's going to be some players that prefer certain areas because it's a little bit more scenic and beautiful. Everybody likes to go walk on the beach. Mm -hmm. But you know what gets players to come to the Midwest is one pay and also showing proof that you are making this roster as competitive as possible, which would help them get closer to winning a championship. Every player wants to win a championship. That's where you have the competitive advantage. And Brooke, pay and competitiveness need to go hand in hand. And one of the the real poxes, if that's a word, on Moe's recent legacy here is signing Mike Leake, mm-hmm. giving Matt Carpenter that extension. Brett Cecil. Signing Brett Cecil, signing Dexter Fowler, signing Andrew Miller. Mm-hmm. Contreras might wind up in the, in the same box. It's not DeWallet, as the, the, the naysayers like to say about ownership. It's the quality of expenditure of the money that they have spent. Mm-hmm. Because that prevents you when you make mistakes like Leake, and Cecil and Carpenter and Fowler and Miller and maybe Contreras, that prevents you from spending money effectively elsewhere. Ineffective expenditure leads to no further expenditure. And that's where the Cardinals' financial... If people are going to complain about spending money, it's, it shouldn't be about the amount of money yes. that they spend. It should be the intelligence with which the money is... The efficiency, I, sh- I won't say intelligence the efficiency with which the money is spent. And that's where the mulligan comes in, right? Because if it's a couple... Every signing is not going to pan out well. I think that every fan, especially St. Louis sports fans, are very well aware of that because we know how smart sports fans are here. So they're aware that not every single signing is going to pan out. But when you have several, then it develops a pattern. And that's where the concern lies, mm-hmm. right? They have spent money. But as you mentioned, Randy, it, ha- it hasn't worked out or panned out in the way that you expected. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what was so frustrating to me outside of the treatment of Wilson Contreras this season is that was a big free agent signing. You put all your eggs in one one basket, essentially, when it came to a catcher, didn't go out and get some extra pitching that could have possibly helped with some injuries that would come up. And then to so quickly give up on a contract like that, not only is that frustrating because mm-hmm. that's another free agent signing that isn't working in the way that you want, but also what does that say to other free agents that right. you are going to be courting down the line? Yeah, it doesn't bode well for the future. Let's get a mic drop from Evan here on 101 ESPN. Morning, guys. If I'm going to look at the career of John Mosellock, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt because there are so many times where we had the opportunity, especially in free agency, being like, let's sign the big guy. Let's go after the big guy. First one being Albert Pujols. I know that's not a huge popular thing to say, but that contract would have looked ugly. There's so many other scenarios in that realm that would have put us back tremendously and we would have been we would have been right up against the luxury tax. So 
I have to give him the benefit of it out there, but this is a what have you done for me lately kind of league, like all uh, big sports. So his his rope's getting getting kind of thin. So. 100% I agree. And that's what I was saying earlier is I think that both thoughts can coexist mm-hmm. at the same time where, of course, his overall body of work, that's what he's going to be remembered for, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to recency bias, we know that messages sometime, sometimes can go stale. Also, not having other voices coming in from other organizations, maybe to bring a different view on things, because that always helps develop change. When something's not working, then you have to be proactive in finding ways to fix it. Brooke, the randomness of the baseball playoffs is a real thing. Anybody who says anything differently just isn't paying attention. So I can give a pass when you make the tournament and have a chance. I can't give a pass when you don't have, when you A, aren't in the tournament, and B, play boring ball. And I I can give a a mulligan for one year, but you have to figure it out in a hurry. And this team has to be A, entertaining, and B, has to get into the tournament. So you you get one mulligan. But the way I play with my friends is normally uh, (laughs) they they give me one mulligan per nine. And I, I can't give a second mulligan. It's just it's unreasonable for Cardinal fans to spend the amount of money that they're spending, especially the season ticket holders, and not have a high-quality product, an exciting, winning product. Because, and I know Cardinal fans get on me when I say they're entitled, but they are. They are entitled. Mm-hmm. They, they're entitled to a quality product. Because if we're talking about Mosaic's overall body of work, that environment was created. I know that mm-hmm. was also created prior to him, but yeah. that expectation has been set of we're going to compete and also win championships. A season like that, what you just had this past season, is unacceptable, even more so for that reason, because... This organization and this fan base is not used to having that. And your manager has said it's unacceptable. Last season was unacceptable in this town. He told his players mm-hmm. it's unacceptable in this town. And so there is no alternative here. If that is unacceptable, then our entitlement should be to what we have seen over the course of the last, what, 30 years under the ownership of the DeWitt family. Mm-hmm. Many more times than not, the product, if not a playoff product, has been exceptionally entertaining, those being the McGuire years. Let's get one more from Nick here on 101 ESPN. No, I I don't think that they deserve a mulligan for the season. The argument that seems to never gain enough traction is the the preparedness to lose the playoffs. The, the Cardinals have not felt like a team that was going to make a deep playoff run in six seasons. We always seem to build a 90-win team. That, that seems to be the goal. They love that. They always stop short of that. Even this early in, in the offseason, every single year, it seems that we short up all of our Band-Aid holes, and then the fans go wanting for one big splash, and we never get it because we could probably win 90 with what we've got, and that's where we stop. Again, Brooke, 2023, did the Dodgers feel like a team that was going to go to the World Series? Yeah. Did the Diamondbacks? Uh, you could argue no. There. I would argue no. Yeah. 2022, did the Phillies, I remember sitting in this very chair on the first day of the Cardinals playing the Phillies in the playoffs, and I said there's only one team in the National League that has no chance to go to the World Series. Mm-hmm. Only one playoff team. It's the Philadelphia Phillies. 
They didn't feel like a team to me that was going to go to the World Series. Didn't feel like it at all. Mm-hmm. They went to the World Series. Not the Padres, not the Mets, not the Dodgers, not all those superpowers. The Phillies wound up in the World Series. 2021, we go into the postseason. The Braves have the fewest National League wins. Braves didn't feel like a team that was going to go to the World Series and win it, but they did. 2020, not a real season, the, the, the COVID season. 2019, did the Washington Nationals feel like a team that was going to go to the World Series and win it? No, they didn't. They didn't. They were they were the the last National League seed. seed. Uh, I liked the Cardinals in that NLCS against them. I thought the Cardinals were going to beat them in the NLCS. They didn't. Uh, they got swept. But the the Cardinals had to me that postseason as much of a feel as a deep postseason run team as the Nationals did, and the Nationals wound up winning the World Series. So it's never not never. It's rarely the best team that wins in the postseason. It's the team that's playing the best. Mm-hmm. We weren't talking about the Rangers as being a team that Scherzer was hurt and DeGrom was out. We weren't talking about the Rangers being a World Series champion when the playoffs started last year. They didn't have the feel of a deep-run team, but they wound up winning the World Series. Well, and they also made a bunch of aggressive moves, too. They did. But what of those aggressive moves at the deadline. Nathan Evaldi was huge for them. Mm-hmm. But when you look at their the moves, it was their kids that wound up, and obviously Seeger the year People before. People stepping up, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but they didn't have the feel among a lot of people, including Vegas, of being a team that was going to win the World Series. But to the point of the Rangers, they were able to identify weaknesses. So you bring up Seager, and they saw with that signing mm-hmm. that they needed more pieces around there. So they were able to identify the pieces that were missing there and strategically keep making moves towards that. So right. I think that is something that helped the Rangers. No doubt about it. But the biggest thing that helped the Rangers was hiring a veteran manager and changing yes. the culture there, getting Bruce Bochy going. I mean, you look at their lineup. They had... Uh, not a young catcher, but uh, an inexperienced, a first-time catcher in Jonah Heim. Nathaniel Lowe. Who who loved Nathaniel Lowe as your first baseman? Now they have the big money guys in the middle of the infield. They have a rookie at third base. They have Leody Tar- Tavares in center field. They have Garcia. Everybody in St. Louis knew how great Garcia was going to be, but nobody else did. Uh, uh, they, they have Mitch Garver as their DH. Uh, I mean, that that is not an imposing lineup. And then mm-hmm. the, once they added DeGrom, everybody thought, okay, they'll, they'll, they've got their number one. But Dane Dunning went 12-7 and seven for them. John Gray was 9-8 and eight with a 4.12. Andrew Heaney, uh, kind of a, a throwaway free agent starter, uh, goes 10-6 and six with a 4.15. Ivaldi, uh, you wanted him, you were a first guesser. You wanted Ivaldi when he signed with the Rangers. It just made sense because, yeah. well, I one, when you're looking at Cardinals deals, it was a deal that the Cardinals definitely could have pulled off. Yeah, right. Two years, 34 mil. But... It's really not without Scherzer, without DeGrom, not a really imposing group of starters, yet they won the World Series. We appreciate your mic drops and uh, all of your uh, opinions are, are valued here on the opening drive. Thank you very much for those and your texts. Coming up, Mizzou and Ohio State on Friday night in Dallas at Jerry World for the Cotton Bowl. Uh, what's the best story of the Mizzou season? Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Back to Schrader. Explosion of speed. Cody Schrader. Get in there. Touchdown Missouri. 37 yards. The guy is a quarterback playing running back, but he's watching film on the bus. He's watching film in the meeting room. He's working out at the hotel. The guy is unbelievable. Cook pops, throws, burden. In space, that's where you want him to get the 
You know, just this whole season, he's made some huge strides. We all know his abilities, and so he's done a great job this whole season with the ball in his hands. Play action. Cook going to go down to Weiss, and Theo Weiss, he is a speedster who gets free down the sideline. He goes. Work ethic is second to none. Offense starts with him. The things that we ask him to do at the line of scrimmage, taking care of the ball, and really being the starting point in terms of having command of the offense. The Mizzou football team 10-2 taking on Ohio State Friday night and the Cotton Bowl at Jerry World down in Arlington, Texas. It's a 7 o'clock start. Mizzou averaged 34.1 points per game this year, and Blake Baker's defense allowed 22.3. And there were a lot of good stories, Brooke, coming out of this Mizzou season. A, a, a lot of big things and obvious things and a lot of little things that happened as well. Uh, there's so many. Some I mean, great stories. There's so many great stories. But Randy, with what we just played there, I think Cody Schrader has been the best story this season. Yeah. His emergence, his whole backstory, as we know from going on being he well D two Truman, and then going to be a walk on at Mizzou and just really emerging as this leader. But I even think back to earlier this season, Luther Burden obviously had been battling with some injuries. But if you look back at the beginning of the season, it was really kind of Luther Burden at the start to really help Mizzou push through. I, I remember in that Kansas State game, that 42-yard touchdown pass from Brady Cook to Luther Burden. You remember that? Mm-hmm. How yeah. that was like, wow. Mizzou's really arrived here. That was a huge statement win for him and a huge moment for Luther and for Cook. But then you also have it towards the end, while Luther was battling some of these injuries and we saw less of him, you had Cody Schrader really kind of take the helm offensively for this team and push through, and that was a huge moment. And think about the game here against Memphis where Mm -hmm. you had everybody stepping up, whether it was Theo Weiss or Speedy and Norfleet down the stretch turned into a real weapon. And obviously Schrader was the common thread throughout. They always had the running game going. But go back to that opener when we didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. We thought it was a competition. That feels like years ago, Randy. It does. And all the complaining that we did on the, the day after that game, I, I complained. That to Sam, be fair, yeah, I think that it was it was justified oh, because absolutely. it was very confusing that you're going into this season and basically all of a sudden there's this quarterback battle between Brady Cook and Sam Horn. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. And then they split time and then quickly announced that Brady Cook was going to be mm-hmm. the starting quarterback. And a lot of people were like, well, what, what was the point of this quarterback competition and air quotes in the first place? I think they were trying to pacify... Horn and the fan base. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, they knew, they saw the practices that Brady Cook, who's another great story, was a guy that could lead them to a season like this, all overseen by Kirby Moore. And I think there's a little confluence here. The addition of Kirby Moore and then the ability of Eli Drinkwitz to step away from the play calling and being the offensive coordinator. And he became a CEO. And you had the, uh, the game with the fake punt, that mm-hmm. was with Kentucky, fourth right? Fourth and 17. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. the, the fourth and 17 against Florida. Yeah, fourth and the, 17. Uh, That's one yeah. of my favorite moments. Right. And, and he allows that to happen. Mm-hmm. But he said that the he called the fake punt Drinkwitz did. He said, if I was the offensive coordinator and thinking about calling plays, we wouldn't have called the fake punt. And it winds up working, providing them with a key first down. So mm-hmm. I think Drink stepping away and becoming the CEO was a big part of the success of this team. But I, I really think, Brooke, if we look at it, everything was great offensively. But the defense was great last year under Baker, mm-hmm. and it was great again this year under Baker. And I think that's the most underrated story of this team. 
the most experienced defense, second most experienced defense in all of college football, and they stayed reasonably healthy. They've got two draftable cornerbacks. Tyron Hopper was fantastic at linebacker, and they returned to being D-line zoo. Mm -hmm. All of those things, for me, are the biggest reason that this team won. Here you have back-to-back years where you allow more than 60 to Tennessee, and then you you hold them down to one touchdown. You have, the, as you mentioned, the great performance against Kansas State. And even with these powerful SEC offenses, and I'm talking about Georgia, who they lost to, uh, they were able to hold their own. The only team that really kind of overwhelmed the defense as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. was LSU. And it was really one guy. It was the Heisman Trophy winner. He was exactly. really, that, that yeah. was the only difference uh, from Mizzou being an 11-1 team and uh, a 10-2. and two. It, was, it was one guy. And one thing that prevented their defense from being elite. Uh, yeah, that, that is really what it was. And I know that there was some concerns after that game, but there's a reason that he is one of the biggest names in college football, right? You saw that. LSU was a very tough team this season, but there were so many great moments. I think that's always how you know that a team is very special. Randy, you were just going over some of those. I mean, you have the fake punt in that Kentucky game, mm-hmm. fourth and 17, one of my favorite moments, and yours as well from the, that the Florida. The year, yeah. that, and then that Kansas State game, though, when I talked to Brady Cook, as you know, on that on the YouTube show that we have, mm-hmm. he said that was his biggest moment for personal reasons, just because of last year, as you know, Kansas State is the game that he hurt his shoulder. He had to battle back through that. He was dealing with a shoulder injury. And to be able to come back and win in that way, He said in that moment that he knew that what Mizzou was capable of. And I really think that that game is what showed a lot of people. It did feel like where it's like, okay, we're waiting for the shoe to drop, right? Because that's the biggest feeling with Mizzou is waiting for the shoe to drop. That's what I've gathered from a lot of the fans. Mm -hmm. Brock, you've kind of helped me understand that a little (laughs) bit, is that you're just expecting things to not go well. But time and time again, Mizzou's creativity offensively this season, which is a credit to Kirby Moore, Eli Drinkwitz, Brady Cook, Luther Burton, Cody Schrader, all these guys involved, their creativity really paid off. And when you can get creative like that, that's when you know you have a very special group of guys who are capable of handling it. And Missouri is a two and a half point underdog against Ohio State on Friday night. And by the way, if you just go to the Fenton Bar and Grill down in Fenton, mm-hmm. they're going to have a watch party with a giant screen TV outside. It's going to be a really fun time. I'm going to stop by. And, to celebrate uh, Cody Schrader. Yeah. that's his Cody, spot. Yeah, that's, that's his hangout. So uh, if you if you don't have anything going, plans for the game, check it out at the, the Fenton Bar and Grill. This is weird, by the way. There are no bowl games today. I thought there was a game every day. I don't know why there's there's not. Maybe oh maybe I'm looking at oh I'm I'm looking at the wrong thing. Sorry, I need to go right up to the top. Virginia Tech and Tulane playing in the Military Bowl. That's in Annapolis, Maryland. How could you forget about that? Uh, I just was in the wrong spot on my ESPN scroll. And then you have the Duke's Mayo Bowl. It's my favorite. Do you uh, a do you like mayo? And B have you had Duke's? Have I had Duke's Mayo? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Duke's Mayo is it's I a do difference like maker. It's mm-hmm. a difference maker. She's contractually obligated, by the way, as a Tennessee Titans fan, to like Mayo now. Yes, oh, of okay. course. Because Will Levis, Will Levis. Oh, yeah. he has that deal yeah. with Duke's Mayo, right? I, oh, yeah, I think you're right. So, yeah. Uh, I, I love Duke's mayo, and it makes a difference on a burger. If you're making a burger oh, at home, or even any sandwich, I have I like it on a sandwich, not a lot, mm-hmm. but good. a good little oh. spread on there. Oh, a turkey sandwich with, with uh, lettuce, tomato, Duke's mm. mayo. Mm-mm-mm. That's delicious. Fantastic. Uh, that's North Carolina and West Virginia, by the way. The Duke's Mayo Bowl played, as you might guess, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Then tonight, you've got the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, Louisville, and USC. Louis- uh, did I say it right? You did. Yes. And, and USC, you, it will be entertaining to watch. 
that game is, uh, let's see, where is uh, That's on Fox. Uh, so you'll have that. And then tonight, Texas A&M and Oklahoma State play in Houston at the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Ast- that used to be the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl, but there's no more Astro Dome. And so the Texas Bowl, A&M and Oklahoma State. There's a lot of bowls in Texas. Yeah, That's why are. it was so easy to just guess early. I'm like, I don't know. Texas. Yeah. yeah, just say Texas or Alabama and you got a 90% chance. <laughs> there you go. Or Florida, possibly. Yep. Coming up, uh, we've got the fight. Matthew, do you need a fighter today? I do. We need a fighter. So text in 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo, ho. Even if you have an 11-year-old that wants to participate in the fight like they oh, do. They do, they do that in the fast lane. They allow 11-year-olds to participate. So today's the day. If it, So text in... Uh, the word fight, the name, and then if it's a kid, kid, and uh, what, Matthew, you're looking cat, at me. You might have to be related to Randy? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Uh, no, any, any. It doesn't have to be. I want a you kid. Just want, no. You just want to face an 11-year-old. But here's the problem okay. with being an 11-year-old is I don't know until I come in whether or not it's a kid, all right? And I don't know how well the kid is done. So uh, it could be, it's a distinct possibility that I would come in and and win and we're on to Cincinnati. Yeah, that's it. Oh. You're last. I just want I, I want the kids to know that. Don't you want, want you to stop believing? But you're just teaching them a valuable lesson, Randy. In humility. Yes, you're like you know in pickup basketball. If you're like facing somebody younger, you're not going to show any mercy. Oh, no, I'm. It's it's teaching yeah, them a lesson not of handling today. adversity. <laughs> <laughs> the fight is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carricker and Matthew Rocchio. And it is time for the fight. It's interesting, Rock, because right before we went to break, Randy asked to fight an 11 year old because on the fast line, that's apparently something they do? Question mark? Why? I'm not sure. Jamie just wanted to beat up on an 11 year old yesterday that happens to be his yes, girlfriend's yeah, say, he, son, a which makes it a little there. bit, yeah, a little bit even, even, even harder. But it's funny because on the text line, we had a lot of people text in saying they identify as an 11 year old, so they were trying to work past the system. But either way, we found Garrett. Garrett, welcome into the fight. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing good. You don't identify as an 11 year old, do you? <laughs> No, can't do that anymore. No, can't do that. I, I totally understand. You ready to take on Randy in the fight? Yeah. All right, we'll get started with question number one. The Blues have played in two Winter Classic games, one at Bush Stadium and one in an away game. Who did they play in that away game? Was it the Nashville Predators, the Chicago Blackhawks, or the Minnesota Wild? The Minnesota Wild. The Miami Hurricanes took home two Heisman trophies within a six-year window in the late 80s to early 90s with Vinny Testaverde and who else? Was that Danny Werfel, Doug Flutie, or Gino Toretta? Doug Flutie. With their 27th straight loss last night, the Pistons became the all-time record holder for consecutive losses, passing the 2010-11 Cavs and which other recent taking team? Was it the 76ers, excuse me, the Lakers, or the Pelicans? 
trust the process, 76ers. Ethan <laughs> went trust the process. I like, on. I like that answer, Garrett. And following the first ever pair of high schoolers to jump to the NBA in 1975, there was a 20-year gap before this future Hall of Famer and MVP made the jump and was selected top five in the 1995 NBA draft. Was that Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, or Tracy McGrady? Kevin Garnett. All right. All right, we'll double-check the score, and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. Garrett, it seems like you're a big NBA fan, so you were in luck today. How are you feeling about the fight? Uh, 50-50. I'll 50, go with 50. the NBA. There you go. Oh, here comes Randy with a diet Dr. Pepper today. Oh, danger. Danger, Will Robinson. He is well-caffeinated. Is there caffeine in Dr. Pepper? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not messing around with it. What's the point of decaf? I don't understand. Um, Some people, I guess it really bothers them to have some caffeine. I need caffeine. I wish I never started with uh, caffeine. I haven't seen one of those dumb gold Coke cans or Pepsi cans since I was like 12, and I want to keep it that way. Get I that caffeine-free that. That yeah, caffeine right. stuff out Thank of you. here. Yeah. Uh, especially coffee. Why would somebody drink coffee without caffeine? In it? I do love the smell of coffee, so I understand that aspect of I like, it. But I hate the taste of it. I don't. Yeah. Do you drink? coffee oh all the time uh, oh, yeah okay yeah, yeah I, all I, the I time I, I like the smell of coffee but i don't like the, the taste of coffee. oh you know that one, i love it i love it well randy say hi to garrett he is not 11 years old oh garrett good morning thanks for listening thanks for playing happy holidays how you doing doing good you guys too thank you good all day right. with us randy ready to take on garrett in the fight i'm ready Question number one. The Blues have played in two Winter Classic games, one at Bush Stadium and one in an away game. Who did they play in that away game? They wore uh, Hawaiian and beach clothes into a game in Minnesota uh, at the, the whatever the, uh, the stadium is that the Minnesota Golden Gophers play in. Some TFI bank or something? Something like that. I'd forgotten about that whole Hawaiian shirt thing. Um, Randy, the Miami Hurricanes took home two Heisman trophies within a six-year window in the late 80s and early 90s with Vinny Testaverde and who else? Could he be the worst Heisman Trophy winner? Gino Toretta? Uh, Jason White, Oklahoma? Okay, right there, yeah. Gino Toretta's the guy. Man, he was not a... He was a product of uh, the unbelievable talent that Miami had. Jason White was better. Yeah. With their 27th straight loss last night, the Pistons became the all-time record holder for consecutive losses, passing the 2010-11. I don't think we should clap for that, Cavs. And which other recent tanking team? Um, Recent tanking team. I believe it's the Philadelphia 76ers. And it, this is a single season record. I think the Sixers actually lost 28 in a row over two seasons, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers. And following the first ever pair of high schoolers to jump to the NBA in 1975, there was a 20-year gap before this future Hall of Famer and MVP made the jump and was selected top five in the 1995 NBA draft. Okay, so I'm going to guess about the the 75 guys. I'm going to guess it was Moses Malone and Daryl Dawkins. You got uh, Daryl Dawkins correct. Late late in the first round, Bill Willoughby. Bill Will. Okay. Went went in the first round uh, in the same year as Daryl Dawkins. Okay. Chocolate Thunder. Daryl Dawkins. Great nickname. Fantastic nickname. Uh, Can I? do the lifeline here just so I'm sure. I think I know. This is the 95 yes. draft, 1995 right? draft, yes. Uh, Kobe Bryant, nope. Kevin Garnett, maybe, or Tracy McGrady. It's totally Kevin Garnett. <laughs> we don't get a lot of it's totally from <laughs> I know. That was, that was totally quick. Kevin Garnett. I love that. That was the Diet Dr. Pepper caffeine kicking in there. <laughs> <laughs> was the caffeine kick enough for Megamind to continue his undefeated streak? By the way, this would be 
nine, ten. This would be your eleventh win in the ro- in a row. Now going back the last like two plus weeks. So wow. does Randy Carricker take down eleven by getting a question about twenty seven losses correct, or does Garrett slip in with a answer about Kevin Garnett and take this fight away? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. By the way, KG played here in the uh, Coca-Cola shootout. The, the, I was eight. I was 21 years old when somebody told me that thing existed, mm-hmm. and I had been a awesome. diehard basketball fan for, since I was 13, and no one had ever told me it existed. Oh, wow. I was angry at everyone that day. I, I was angry at everyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Garrett's a little angry with people right now because he fell to Randy Carricker 4-3. to three. A great job today, Garrett, but unfortunately, Randy Carricker did hit the jack. Oh, it's all right. Football is never my strong suit, anyway. There you go. And that, and that, did great. that was the one Thanks, that Garrett. that was the one that That's got great. him. Was the 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 college football question? The Blues have played in two Winter Classic games: one at Bush Stadium, where they faced off against the Blackhawks, and then one against the Minnesota Wild. And uh, we had a te- Droid says they play at Target Field. I don't remember it that. Oh level. yeah, Target Field. That's, uh, right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Miami Hurricanes took home two Heisman trophies within a six-year window. It was, in fact, Vinny Testaverde and then Gino Toretta to win that one. And yeah, he he was he, he had a lot of talent. He wasn't that good himself. Their 27th straight loss last night. The Pistons became the all-time record holder for consecutive losses, passing the 2010-11 Cavaliers. And as Garrett put it, the trust the process 76ers. And following the first ever pair of high schoolers to jump to the NBA in 1975, again Daryl Dawkins and uh, Bill Willoughby. There was a 20-year gap before Kevin Garnett made the jump in 1995. He went fifth over. Overall, would eventually go to the Hall of Fame, won a championship, and took home an MVP award as well. And a Defensive Player of the Year award at 31 years old. So Randy Carricker with a 4-3 win in today's fight. Garrett, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year, guys. Thanks, yeah, Garrett. Year. Take care. Garrett with us on the fight on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Blues are 4-1 since the coaching change, but will a better test be coming in the next five to eight games? It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I think five games is is not really quite enough of a snapshot. If you can win four or five the rest of the way, you're a playoff team, right? It's pretty obvious. Um, We'll take that. Now, having said that, the schedule is going to get a lot tougher here. I mean, just like what the Blues have this week, um, you know, coming up uh, Dallas and, and then Colorado, then into Pittsburgh and and, and then you go into the new year. So uh, Vancouver's here next week. So it's going to get a lot tougher. Uh, but having said that, I, I like the energy the Blues have played with overall. I just ne- think their overall game has been sharper, except for that one outlier against Tampa Bay. That's the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, joining us yesterday here on the opening drive. And indeed, under Drew Bannister, the Blues are 4-1, and one, a victory over Ottawa, a 4-3 overtime win at home against Dallas. Then they went to Tampa Bay and lost 6-1 to before winning at Florida 4-1 to and then coming back to beat Chicago 7-5 to on Saturday night. Now, with their post-Christmas schedule opening up, Brooke, the Blues do have an incredibly difficult schedule. And I think this is where we find out how competitive they're capable of being. I'm not going to say how gr- good or great they're capable of being. I look at the next eight games as... A litmus test for are they 
are they willing to work hard enough to be competitive on a night-in, night-out basis? 100%. I mean, that's what you've been wanting to see from them all season is if they were able to battle back. And that's why, while it was just one game and it's been such an up-and-down season with the Blues, that win against the Blackhawks, that's what we've been wanting to see. Mm-hmm. Some fights, some life. Of course, you don't want to be down in the game. but especially the way against that they, them. Especially against them. But the way that they were able to handle adversity within the game and battle back is something that we haven't seen much this season from the Blues. So that is moving things forward in the right direction. But this is a very, very tough schedule that they're about to battle through right now, Randy, because, I mean, especially when you look at Dallas, Colorado, Pittsburgh, and then they're going to face the Canucks, and then they're going to face the Canes, and then they're going to face the Panthers, then the Rangers, then the Bruins. It's a huge battle for this team that we've seen has just been up and down over and over and over again. I want to see some sort of consistency, and I think there is some encouraging signs. One, it seems like the guys are really rallying around Drew Bannister and whatever message it may be that he is sending to this team, the way that he's holding them accountable. I highly doubt that it's any different than Craig Bruby and his expectations, because, of course, every head coach is going to hold their players accountable. Mm-hmm. But it's a different messenger. And sometimes bringing in a new voice just does that. And we've seen that happen in the NHL. And. The other big thing that we wanted to see is improved power play, which you have seen at least some improvement since the Blues hired Drew Bannister. They are four for 12 on the power play. So it's a small move forward. But Randy, as we've talked about all season, the power play, it's been a big issue for the Blues this season. And they're drawing penalties. That means Mm -hmm. they're exhibiting effort, which is a big key as well. But yeah, I don't know why. But something obviously has changed. Maybe it's the addition of the consultant, Brad Richards. Maybe it's something Bannister has brought in. Maybe the players are just playing better. And we still aren't seeing Colton Pareko on either of the power play units. So it's Mm -hmm. not a personnel thing. So something is happening to allow the Blues to succeed to a 33% clip under Bannister on the power play. You ran down the schedule. Let me give you the league ranks of these teams. Dallas has the fourth best record in the league. That's who the Blues play tonight. Six o'clock pregame, seven o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Colorado Friday night has the sixth best record in the league. Pittsburgh has the 22nd best record in the league. They still have Sidney Crosby and Malkin and, and that game, that gang, though. Then they come home next week. You've got Vancouver. Vancouver is the number one team in the NHL right now. Who saw that coming? But they do have the best record. Then they go to Carolina, where they're middle of the pack, 16th. The Panthers have the 11th best record in the league. Rangers are second and Bruins fifth. So these next eight games, and again, I'm not suggesting that the Blues are going to have a winning record. I would love for them to have a winning record. But from what Doug Armstrong said at the press conference, I want to see us play better. It's not about wins and losses. It's how we play. That's what he said at the beginning of the season when he said he hopes that they can be third in the division or a wild card team. You aren't looking. This team isn't capable of being great, but every team is capable of competing hard. And this team does have enough good players on it so that they, against the bottom half of the league, mm-hmm. is it's capable of beating the bottom half of the league. That's team 16 through 32. But man, you've got out of the next eight, one, two, three, four, five, six of your next eight games are against teams in the top half of the league. As a matter of fact, in the top 11 teams in the league. Six six of the top 11 teams in the league are among your next eight games. Now that's a gauntlet that yeah. you're going to have to face there. And I think that that's the biggest thing is that seeing how they just handled the adversity from game to game because that's going to be the biggest test for the Blues. And I'm sure that Doug Armstrong is a position where he's trying to evaluate. I feel like 
possibly, and this is just my own personal perspective on this, is that they're still viewing this as a retool rather than a rebuild. Yes. Now, do you think because of this schedule that you can fully, if you're in Armstrong's position, evaluate whether this is still staying a retool or if you need to look towards a rebuild with I, this group? I would not look at these eight games as a referendum on whether or not it should be a retool or a rebuild. Because I don't think the Blues can afford to go into a rebuild, Brooke. I don't think mm-hmm. that the fans will stand for that. I think the expectations and the prices are so high that it's really difficult for a team, a franchise like this, to go into a situation like Chicago has been in, where you don't make the playoffs for a few years. Mm-hmm. Blues need that playoff money. They do. And, it, and a good product on the ice. And a good product on the ice. And if if you don't have that and people aren't showing up, then again, you you put the franchise at risk. This franchise has been at risk a lot during the course of its existence. And I don't think that they can afford to do that. Now, after you finish this run, you get, uh, let's go and look at January. After this gauntlet, as you mentioned, you get the Flyers, you get Washington there down, Washington in, in back-to-back games. You get Calgary, you have to go to Vancouver. You get Seattle, that's a team that you should be able to beat. Kings, you should be able to compete with. Uh, and then you get Columbus here. So January softens up substantially. I I just don't think, there's a couple of things I want to mention here. Number one, I don't think from a competitive standpoint, the Blues are a team or a franchise that's capable of going into full rebuild mode. Here's the other thing I look at. And tell me if I'm wrong here, Mm -hmm. but if you're going into full rebuild, you still aren't trading Thomas and Cairo, right? Because they're the centerpiece of your next eight years. Mm -hmm. So you move Buchnevich, maybe you get something for Kevin Hayes, but he's not making any money. Uh, You trade Falk, and what what you get for Falk, would that that meet the value that he brings to your franchise? Uh, You can't trade Krug, you already tried that. Uh, Saad... I don't know that Brandon Saab brings a whole lot of value back in return. Maybe, what, a third or fourth round pick? So is it worth it to trade him? I don't know if you trade Shen, who at this stage, and I think he's halfway through an eight-year contract, I don't know if he has a tremendous amount of market value at the age of 32 and with where his production is. I don't think that Shen brings back high draft capital and a team willing to take on the entire contract. So I'm just wondering, uh, Pareko, do you trade Pareko? He's 30 years old. No. So, uh, but maybe you do. Maybe, if you go into full rebuild, Pareko and Buchnevich and Bennington might be the three guys that you're looking at. And that is completely tearing things down. Yeah. But to your point, Randy, and I and I'm in 100% agree it's with you, I think that this is why, even though an unpopular move and in a move that I didn't even personally like with Craig Bruby, but I think this is why it happened because it's mm-hmm. one, something you see in the NHL a lot where you try to bring in a new voice, a new message coming in with the firing of Craig Bruby. Still don't like it for a while to ever think that it's okay, Me but too. it's also a part of the NHL and something that you see over and over again. But I think that that was a big reason because Army is viewing this as a retool mm-hmm. and I got to get the most out of these guys because a complete teardown is the worst case scenario for this team. And we just mentioned the names. You can't trade 15 players 
you, you can fire one coach. Yes. And that's what happened here. And hopefully the this will work out and they'll be competitive. And hopefully at the end of the year, they'll be competing for a playoff spot. That's all I'm asking for from this team. And then next year, hopefully some of these young guys will rise to another level. And some of their other young guys, Dean, Bull Duke, mm-hmm. uh, Snuggerud, they'll arrive on the scene and they'll ascend through next year. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, uh, we asked earlier if John Moselec deserves a mulligan for 2023. And we're going to get a little bit more of your feedback, whether it's mic drops or if you'd like to send us a text, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Your thoughts on where the Cardinals are right now. Should Mo be getting this mulligan next on 101 ESPN? You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. It's 907 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Brooke Grimsley, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. Okay, kids, have you ever lost your keys? Yes, actually quite a bit. Have you ever lost your keys to the point where you could not find them again? Yes, and it always happens when you're in a rush and you need to get out the door. I lost mine and they were gone. And (laughs) I I, I still have to buy, and and key fobs, by the way, are expensive. I have to go get Uh a new key fob. I've been using my backup key fob for a long time, which is now my starting key fob. So uh, one thing that I got for Christmas is called a tile. I got it on Amazon. And so what you can do, you get an app in your phone, and if you lose your keys... You can uh, find your keys because you've got this little square thing. I'm, I'm showing it right now on, I'm showing it to Brooke and Matthew. I'm showing it on, on the, the YouTube. YouTube. And it's just a little thing that goes on your key ring. And you can press the app on your phone and presumably find your keys. So I was going to tease you guys during the fight while I was out in the hall and have this, my, my little tile going off. And have you, have you guys said, what the hell is that? What is that? That yeah. would have driven me Absolutely insane. I think so, so. Do you have to be oh, in close proximity oh, no, 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 to no, 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 it? No, 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 no. Uh, so here it is. Here's, here's the way it sounds. You you just press find on your uh, app, and it goes. Yeah, that would have pissed. That would have made me mad. Okay, so and that this little. <laughs> you know what it sounds like, Rock? You would know about this. Doesn't it kind of sound like a Tamagotchi or something like yeah. that? You remember those? Oh. Got a little bit more melody than a Tamagotchi, but I'm with you on that one. Yeah, you that? What you're saying. Yeah. yeah, it's you know, uh, make a little noise. Well, like yeah. so, so there you go. So I've got this thing that I got from Amazon, got it for Christmas, and now if these keys get lost in the house, and I know that my keys w- are or were somewhere in the house because I drove mm. home, so and I had to take my key fob <laughs> out of my car. Indicator, yeah. Right now, maybe they wound up in the trash and they're gone. I don't know, but these keys will never be completely lost because I've got my little tile thing. So there, there you, you go. go. That's great. I need that as well because I do the same thing, Randy. I just kind of throw them around and then mm-hmm. I forget where I put them and then it's like a mad dash when I get out of the door where it's like, oh my God, where is oh, especially this? Especially when you have to be on the air. Oh, it's yes. It's the worst. Yeah. yeah. So we talked earlier about whether or not John Mozeliak deserves a mulligan for 2023. He's getting a mulligan. All right. But does he deserve this mulligan? And we ran down the pros and the cons of Mo's career. I, I'm looking more at the Cardinals' consistent ability under Mo to get into the tournament. I think that's the biggest reason. And I have to hope that the game has not passed him by. I do sense that that might be the case, that the current way baseball has evolved is not what the Cardinals 
had when they brought in Jeff Luno in 03 and won until they went to the World Series in 2013. They, they won on a consistent basis going to the World Series uh, in 03 and 06 and 11 and 13. For that decade, it was uh, 04, 06, 11, 13. But it seems like people that were non-analytically inclined, like Tony LaRusso always said, I think it's going to swing back. I don't mm-hmm. think that analytics are going to own the day forever. And now you see Dusty Baker winning a World Series, and you see Bruce Bochy winning a World Series, and you see Brian Snitker winning a World Series. And I get the sense that it is coming back, and the Cardinals are kind of behind the times in going back to the future. Yeah, because the gut test and the eye test mm-hmm. is something that is... It, you can't there's no analytics to put on that right it's something that is innate within you and something that also comes from experience mm-hmm. and that's what all those guys have in common is a lot of experience I mean if you looked at Bruce Bochy during that entire run for the Rangers did you see any moment Randy where he was ever shaken by a decision no. that he was making no not at all because he knew he knew how it would go and that trust is something that even the players you don't even have to say it some of the players feel as well and they all rose to the occasion in those situations situations. We had some people text in who are weighing in, Randy. Somebody from the 636 says, yes, Mo should get the mulligan. At the end of the day, the players we have on the team are good and they have to perform. They do need to be drilled better. I think the talent is there. Here's the thing. They're really talented athletes. I don't know if they're great baseball players yet. And that's something that throughout the system has to be immersed. They have to be immersed in the quality of Cardinal baseball. Jordan Walker is an immense talent. Is he a great baseball player yet? Nope. Did it used to be that if the Cardinals brought a guy up, he was a great baseball player when he got here? Yep. And that's the case. I'm guessing that that's going to be the case with Mason Wynn, that mm-hmm. he's not a finished product. Uh, we were fortunate that Lars Newtbar played at USC, where they have a great program. And Lars Newtbar is a very polished player. Tommy Edmond played at Stanford. Very polished player when he arrived on the scene. They got Goldie and Arnauto in trades. Polished and ready to go. Brendan Donovan... Brendan Donovan showed up and was a pretty darn good player right off the bat. So I'll give the Cardinals credit for a guy like that. But I think they need to be more consistently strong fundamentally. And so I agree 100% with that texture. Yeah, because, I mean, with the team's defense declining and then you had situational hitting, the fundamentals, mm-hmm. all of that declining at the same time. If it happens with just a few players or, you know, a couple of players, then you say, OK, then that's completely on the players. But when you have from a whole organizational standpoint, a team standpoint where you see all of that decline at once. And I know that there was a lot of injuries, but then even with the injuries, it makes you look at the organization, the whole of, OK, what do we need to change moving forward? Because you feel like after a season like that where so many things went wrong, you can only give so many mulligans within a season, right? And, yeah, and can you figure out why Nolan Arenado became just a guy? Now, I shouldn't say that. Nolan Arenado has a really so, good season. Yes. He led the team in homers and RBIs, right? he went right? through some droughts, yeah, as and he we played saw. poorly defensively mm-hmm. for two-thirds of the season. It's really weird that that happened to a veteran. And maybe he was hurt. I don't know. But you you hate to see that sort of decline in a premier player. Randy, last year <clears throat> there was some positivity. Uh, you, you and Kerry mainly about the offense, mm-hmm. uh, maybe being able to overcome the pitching. We got a text today kind of asking the same question just a year later. Randy, do you think the offense is good enough to overcome a mediocre pitching staff? I don't know because I don't know how good Mason Wynn is. I think he's a big part of this because if Mason Wynn and Tommy Edmond are both deficient offensively and you're giving away two out of your nine spots in the order, now I hope Brendan Donovan is healthy and he's at, your, at the top of your lineup. Mm-hmm. But 
I'm just going to go around the diamond. I think Newt Barr is going to be fine offensively. I think Walker is going to be fine offensively. I I know Arenado is going to be good. I know Contreras is going to be good. I know that Goldie is going to be good. I don't know. I'm worried about having a third of the lineup not be good enough. So I I wish I could answer that question, but I'm really concerned about it. And I I think Mason Wynn winds up being a real big key. And I'm assuming Gorman is going to be here. Gorman's got to be healthy, and he's got to be in that lineup. Gorman's another big part of this. Uh, He's got to play six months. He's got to DH for 135 games and provide consistent power. Otherwise, who else is your DH? Well, because you need that power because the biggest issue that we've talked about is with the outfield, where is that power coming from? And you hope that Jordan Walker will continue to grow and develop into that player. Mm -hmm. But with Mason Wynn, we only saw a very small sample size. So you just hope that the timing right is right for him and for the Cardinals where it all works together. And I want to answer a question before you send it in. Randy, why would you trade Nolan Gorman for Dylan Cease then? Because all of a sudden, if you trade Nolan Gorman for Dylan Cease, then your pitching staff isn't average anymore. Mm -hmm. Then it's an above average pitching staff. And you can plug in a designated hitter. You can play Herrera behind the plate and DH Contreras. And then all of a sudden, and Herrera had almost 1,000 OPS last year at AAA. Then all of a sudden, you've got a good lineup, good defense, really good rotation. That one guy, that one number one starting pitcher, and you Cardinal fans who've watched over the years know, what a difference a number one starting pitcher makes. Do you think, just a quick question before we go out, do you think that there's a possibility that teams will pass on Dylan Cease this offseason and wait to see what happens and if he's moved at the trade deadline this year? Or do you think they're moving him this offseason 100%? Oh, no, I, I don't think it's 100%, 100%. But my preference would be if, if I'm the Cardinals to have him for the whole season because I think if the Cardinals are sitting at the deadline I don't think they're going to be good enough with what they have for Cease to get them into the playoffs. And his price could get a little bit higher. Yeah, I think his they, asking price because right. it's already pretty high now. If yeah. they're wanting, it what was it three top one hundred prospects. Yes, yeah, I would want the Cardinals if they got him to have him for thirty starts, and hopefully you win. How many starts do you win uh, of his? If if you have him, go twenty and ten. Huge difference. Huge mm-hmm. difference as opposed to a guy that went 14 and 18 last year for his 87 win team. Uh, coming up here, we got Jamie Rivers on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. On the Dallas Stars tonight at Enterprise Center, 6 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN, 7 o'clock faceoff. We will have the action, as will Bally Sports, and our colleague, co-host of the Fastlane, Jamie Rivers, will be on the uh, mic as the analyst for the Blues and the Stars tonight. Rivs joins us now here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Jamie. How are you? Good, Randy. I'm good. How was your holiday? It was outstanding. Thank you. I'm actually wearing a, a blue quarter zip pullover that I got from my sister for Christmas. So uh, it was all good. How about with your family? Uh, everything was great. We had a, a solid holiday and everybody was left to, with smiles and hugs and happiness and everything was great. However, I do have one problem, Randy. Yes, one it is. Problem. Uh, I arrived to the station and for a number of years now, there would be a little package waiting for me with Randy Carricker's Christmas cookies. 
Oh, uh, I did not get I did not get said package of cookies this year, and I'm trying to figure out if. It's a me thing or it's a you thing, Randy? Here's the thing. It's it's a road (laughs) thing, Rivs, because you were on the road, the blues were in Florida, and I figured these cookies will be stale by the time Jamie Rivers gets them. And so it was I I did not dismiss you or our friendship. No, that had nothing to do with it. This was completely about the fact that you were on the road and I didn't want you to think, man, his cookies suck this year. True, true, Randy. However, the thought would have meant a lot to me. I apologize. Oh, and you and know what? They uh, were delicious, uh, Jamie, uh, so by the Riz, way. So, here's the thing. Oh, thanks, Brooke. Just rubbing it. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, uh, th- there's a group of people here that I'm making carrot cake for. Would a carrot cake suffice as a replacement? Oh, is it, is it the Traeger carrot cake, Randy? It, it is, Jamie. Oh, okay. We're best friends again. Okay, good. There you go. You, you will get it within the next week. Okay, one other question. Did you beat the hell out of an 11-year-old yesterday? Yeah, Randy. All right, 100%. I'm proud of you. Proud of you. That's my boy. Oh, my gosh. Now, the uh, in the gauntlet, in the Randy, gauntlet. You didn't, it wasn't fisticuffs. It was in the gauntlet. Oh, yeah, we should probably make sure we say that. Yeah, that's a good call by you. Veteran move, Randy. Um, yeah, so we had uh, my girlfriend, her son, Reed, is 11, and he is... He's a little mega mind in the making. I'm telling you, he'll be a Randy character one day because he knows stuff that I'm like, how the hell does he know this stuff? And so we gave him a shot in the gauntlet. And unfortunately for Reed, it hit random, which does contain questions that probably, well, most likely are before he was even born. (laughs) So there was a little bit of an advantage to the house on that one. But at the same time, I felt like I couldn't lay off the throttle. Randy, life isn't easy. These kids have to learn. (laughs) Exactly. That's what we're saying. I mean, you got to teach them young, right? They they have yeah, to learn I mean, how to handle adversity and that you're not going to cut them any slack. Yeah. And the fact that I had to sleep on the couch last night, you know what? <laughs> I feel like I feel like the sacrifice was worth it. Oh, man. Well, Jamie, we were talking about this earlier, and I want to ask you about the Blues power play. Still has some work to do, but still, the power play is 4 for 12 ever since the coaching change. And I know that with you being around the team, you're able to see firsthand. They hired former NHL All-Star Brad Richards as a consultant for the Blues power play. Has he been a part of some of the change or at least the improvement we've seen on the Blues power play? Well, I'm sure he has. There's no doubt because, you know, he's been hovering around in the Florida trip. He was in Tampa, followed the team over to the Fort Lauderdale area and was present in both of those games at practices. But the thing with, you know, being a consultant for the most part is that's a lot of behind the scenes. You know, he's not on the ice, blowing a whistle, barking out what he thinks the power play should be doing. As a consultant, you're there to support the coaching staff offer a couple of things that you're seeing and then maybe help implement what's going on. But then ultimately it's the coaching staff that has to put it to practice with the players. So having Brad Richards is great because it's another set of eyeballs. I compared it to this yesterday when uh, Danny Mack and I were talking on the fast lane. I said, you know, you ever do those little spot the difference pictures where there's like Mm -hmm. spot 10 difference pictures and you get stuck on one and you're like, I can't find the 10th one. And then somebody just walks in the room and goes, oh, there it is. Boom. It's a fresh set of eyeballs that see something that you can't. And so that's what I compare the consulting job to when it comes to this power play. It's somebody who's just kind of hovering above everything, taking a look, and then able to pick maybe one small thing to help improve the power play. And I just think they're putting the puck to the net a lot more. I think that this team is realizing that when you put pucks to the net, 
it creates a certain amount of chaos. I know from my standpoint when I was killing penalties, once that puck gets behind me as a defenseman and there's a loose puck and there's bodies, it's chaos. The goalie's trying to find the puck. We're trying to find the puck. We're trying to pick up sticks, move guys in front. The offensive team has the advantage. They have an extra guy on the ice. They get the puck. They move it quickly over. And that's usually where you see one of those empty net goals because chaos is happening in one area. Player fishes it out, passes it across, crease to the other guy wide open. It's in the back of the net. Hey, Riz, one of the things that Doug Armstrong said when he made the coaching change, and this is to paraphrase, he said, it's not as much about the wins and the losses as the way it looks. And in the next eight games the Blues play, six of them are against teams that are in the top 11 in the NHL. And I said this earlier, for me, it's more important that they look and compete look good and, and compete in these games than winning? Because I, do I expect them to beat Vancouver with the best record in the league or the Rangers with the second best record in the league or, or even Dallas with the fourth best record in the league? No, don't expect them. I, I think Dallas has more good players than the Blues do right now. But I do expect the Blues to compete. How do you look at this next section of eight games, a tenth of the season? Yeah, I certainly think it's a measuring stick. I think what it is, it's not a measuring stick as far as like, oh, can we compete for a Stanley Cup? No, for me, it's a measuring stick for Doug Armstrong whether to kind of gut it out with this, let the development continue, you know, keep inching along, or it's like, okay, we're nowhere close. We have to pivot here and do some things that maybe weren't in the plans originally because now we're way out of it and we're so far off the pace with teams that are ahead of us, meaning not not so much in the standings, just what the team looks like overall, like conceptually to the Dallas Stars and to the Boston Bruins. And some of these teams look that much better than us. If, if they're head and shoulders better than us, then we're really not going to narrow the gap by just inching forward. We're going to have to do something drastic. So I do think there, there is a certain level of, you know, evaluation that's going to happen through all this. But Randy, the, the crazy thing about this Blues team is they're like bizarro teams sometimes. And they show up against the Colorados. They show up against the Dallas Stars. And like, look at this year. They've already beaten Dallas. They've beaten Colorado. They've beaten some good teams on their schedule. And then they've lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Chicago Blackhawks, the San Jose Sharks. So for, for me, it, it's tough sometimes to get a read with this team. But yeah, the next bulk of games is going to be big tell. Well, Jamie, I want to ask you about I don't know if you've been paying attention much, but it's always exciting to see the future of the Blues with the World Juniors underway right now. Seven Blues prospects are a part of that. What does that say about the organization and the future that they have in front of them? Well, it says a lot. I can tell you that. You know, I played in that tournament and um, just happened to win a gold medal. Randy didn't know if you knew that. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it, uh, it, it's a great opportunity for these players to continue to grow and play against the best under-20 players in the world. And so imagine that. The Blues have seven of the best under-20 players in the world. That's pretty awesome. You know, and if you go back a number of years, I don't even know when the last time. This is definitely the most players the Blues have had in a World Junior Championship. And to do that while only having one season last year where you missed the playoffs. We can't talk about this season yet. We don't know. But if the Blues happen to limp into the playoffs this year, get in there as a wildcard team, you'll have missed one playoff and at the same time added seven players that are playing in a World Junior Championship. It's a pretty incredible job from a group of scouts and an organization of finding great young talent. All right. Uh, Brooke? Well, just one quick one. Is there one player that you think the fans should keep their eye on that you think could possibly be coming to the Blues soon? 
Oh, man, it's so tough. Uh, you know, the two guys that jumped to the front of the class are Snuggerud and Dvorsky. And just watching those guys play, they are dominating where they're at. Snuggerud dominates at the collegiate level, and Dvorsky has absolutely put on a clinic in the OHL since coming over to North America. But again, those are still, that's two levels below where the NHL is. You know, you got the American Hockey League that, I know people look, oh, it's the minors, but there's a lot of players that are playing in the American Hockey League that could play in the NHL, given the right circumstances or even sometimes the depth of roster that some teams have. So it's a big jump. But those are the two guys, I think, in the next, oh, 16 to 24 months will make some kind of an impact on this Blues roster. Uh, Rivs, one more quick thing. You were on the ice doing some coaching this morning, correct? Yeah, Synergy Hockey has some holiday camps going on here. we got today, tomorrow, and the 29th as well. And we're up there having some fun. Kids are breaking in new gear. Santa Claus brought skates for a lot of kids. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's always fun to get the kids on the ice and see them smiling and talking about blues hockey. All that good stuff. Okay, so so Coach Rivs, I, I don't know if you saw this Facebook post, but here are the uh, the coaches of the Blues under Doug Armstrong. Gray-haired Andy Murray, bald Davis Payne. Gray-haired Ken Hitchcock, bald Mike Yo. Gray-haired Craig Berube, bald Drew Bannister. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, Did Coach you? Rivs has gray hair. Randy, oh. I was going to say, I kind of I fit the profile, eh? Doug, I'm available. <laughs> there we go. I'm just throwing it out there. So if offered, you would accept? The only head coach job, and it had to be a 10-year guarantee. I want a little bit of, <laughs> ten-year guarantee. Want a little stability in my life. You might you lose know? some hair by the end of it, Jamie. I don't know. <laughs> you, uh, you know what? Can't afford to lose much more, that's for sure, bro. That's right. But, uh, yeah, then you'll wind not, up being the, the, the guy after the next guy. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Now, coaching, coaching has been a thought. I, I, I have been offered jobs in the past, not head coaching jobs, but Randy, you know as well as anybody does, if you Google me, I moved around a lot yeah. as a player, and I do not want that post-career. No. I just can't with the kids and everything. I'm not doing the three years here, then fired, two years mm-hmm. here, then fired. Not doing that. I'd rather just go to 101 every day and hang out with you guys. Uh, we love you, brother. Thanks so much for the time, and we'll be tuned in tonight for the Blues and the Stars. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Have a great one. And you can count on the carrot cake. Thank you very much. You got it, man. Uh, Jamie Rivers with us on 101 ESPN. He's great. So uh, I, I saw him yesterday. I thought, oh, that's there's the next guy after. Uh, now, Drew Bannister, I, I'm convinced, is going to win the Stanley Cup. So it's not going to happen like overnight. <laughs> You're just going to slip that in there. Yeah. So, and who's going to play the role in the movie when uh, the Blues win the Cup? Tucci. The Miracle Run. Stanley, yes. thank you very much. Yes. Uh, coming up. 2023 is heading down the stretch. We are going to pick our St. Louis Athlete of the Year next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, as we head down the stretch of 2023, Brooke and I are going, and Matthew are going to look at the superlatives from 2023 on the St. Louis sports scene. And we're going to start today with our 2023 Athlete of the Year. And Brooke, even though the Blues didn't make the playoffs and the Cardinals didn't make the playoffs, we really do have an incredible array of athletes to choose from for our St. Louis area Athlete of the Year. There's so many, but Randy... For me, this was a very easy decision because he's been one of my favorite stories all year. 
for St. Louis athletes and in all of college football, in my opinion, I've said this many times, it's going to have to go to Cody Schrader. That's who I'm giving my award to for the St. Louis Area Athlete of the Year. He received precisely, Randy, zero Division One offers coming out of Lutheran South High School here in St. Louis, mm-hmm. and he wound up at Truman State. Then at Truman State, he really worked hard, paved the way at the Division II school with 2,074 yards, and then he went over and took a gamble on going to Mizzou, walking on, and he battled his way through to do what he did this season, 1,489 yards, which led the SEC. That's how many rushing yards he had. 13 touchdowns, and he averaged, 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 (laughs) excuse me, six yards per carry. He's just been such a big story and delight this season to just really take in. We've had him on here, and Randy, just Mm -hmm. talking to him, you can see how much adversity that he's been through. And uh, for a lot of people, they kind of let that either break them down or they can rise to the occasion. And Cody has done that. He has really become one of the best stories out there, and he deserves all the recognition in the world for all the work that he's put in. Because if you think about it, I feel like a lot of people, including myself, I'll go ahead and put myself in this category, we're not predicting that Mizzou would end up, if you said at the start of the season that Mizzou was going to end up in a New Year's Six Bowl, I would say, "Uh, I don't know (laughs) about that. But also, I don't think I would have bet that Cody Schrader would emerge as an All-American running back for Mizzou no. and be the big story and key to success leading them to this 10-2 and two season. No doubt. He is very deserving. You can make a great case for Brady Cook. You can make a great, great case for Luther Burden. But, Brooke, I'm, I'm going to localize this. And you had an inaugural season for St. Louis City SC where they had the best record in the Western Conference. And... The constant, the guy who was there every single night was Roman Berkey, who was the goaler of the year in MLS. And as far as I'm concerned, is the St. Louis Athlete of the Year. Berkey was unbelievable from game one until the end of the season. And I don't think that the that city would have been where they wound up if it wasn't for Roman Berkey. And you could have gone with Klaus, but he missed most of the season. He was injured. And you could have gone with Leuven, who was such a key part of what city did. But for me, the key, the guy on city was Roman Berkey. So I'm going with him. And the way that he was always there. Yeah. Availability is something that really matters. This whole MLS season, it just feels like a dream, right? That mm-hmm. you were able to have this happen. Of course, you don't like the end result there and how everything played out. But still, just looking back at the full body of work of the season, first inaugural season, it was just such a special time. And the games, if you win, that's one of the best games in town to watch because it was yeah. just such an exciting environment that they created. Yep. Matthew? Uh, we got a uh, comment here on the YouTube chat. It says that anybody else happened to hit a career mark while only playing with with half of their body. Adam Wainwright is your athlete of the year for St. Louis. And you hit 200, and we know everything that happened now during 199, then in the week between that, and then he gets 200, and how his body was just falling apart, and he willed it. It wasn't the prettiest season for Adam Wainwright, but I, I like I like the thought here. And it's one of those situations where I know that there's a an astoundingly bothersome lack of respect for Adam Wainwright in our town. It shocks me because we are supposed to be the best fans in baseball. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's a very vocal minority. But it's one of those situations. Be careful of uh, that with with what you wish for. Because Adam Wainwright brought a lot of winning and a lot of institutional knowledge to this ball club. That's out the door now. You lose Molina, you lose Pujols, you lose Wainwright. And all of a sudden, a lot of that knowledge as to how to win 
is gone. Yes. And well, and also I think the Cardinals recognize that because how much veteran experience have they brought in mm-hmm. because of you're losing Adam Wayne, right? And you've lost an Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina. They realize that that experience in the clubhouse is very important. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to be said for delivering the final pitch of a World Series championship. And I'm gonna uh, we got a, a dark horse here that I was not considering, but we got a text here who says our own Bobby Tommy. Their argument Bobby is that last Tommy. year in the second the second half of last season he topped off that 65 point season with a good second half, and this year he's already opened up with 37 points in 33 games. So he's saying across the calendar year, Bobby Tommy's got to be in there. And he's I on would, pace for over 90 points, I yeah, believe. Yeah, at yeah, this 37 point. and 33. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, mm-hmm. he was definitely in my others receiving votes category. He has been. And I think that it, what he's been able to do this season, he's definitely stepped in that role. You were wondering with the exit. I know that we saw a little bit of it this past season with Ryan O'Reilly, his exit of what that would look like with Robert Thomas taking on that role. But he's 23, 24 years, 24 years 24. old. And he's been able to really capitalize on that and take on a leadership role. <laughs> When's the last time we didn't even consider a uh, a cardinal, and all due respect to Adam, he didn't. He, he's not what you're going to pick as the athlete of the year. No. Wow. Right. Is, Soccer, okay. Mizzou football, and, and 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 the Blues. Is there a yeah. cardinal? Okay, Ooh. maybe somebody texts in. Is there a cardinal that you would consider athlete of the year? If we were just giving a word specifically to that. No. I think the closest thing for the Cardinals might be Contreras. <laughs> maybe. Or Jordan Walker. I was going to say, the, I, the only... I guess Jordan Walker, just because everything he went through, yeah, but, which was out of his hands, and the way that he was able to grow defensively. But I don't put him ahead of Schrader, Cook, no. Burden, Roman, Leuven, Bobby Tommy. I, I don't have him in my, I don't have a Cardinal in my top six. And I'm just looking, you know, I'm not saying this is one of the superlatives, but like if I had to give, if I had to think what superlative could the Cardinals win if we were running through them, I honestly think Jordan Walker is like who you're most excited about after 2023, future, yeah. I think that would be the only superlative the Cardinals could win. Right, uh, yeah. Like the top moment of the yeah, year isn't sure. going to be Cardinals when we talk about that. Somebody said Tommy Edmond because he had to step up. There were a lot of injuries. I guess you could say that he was able to handle that position first time playing that position too. You're, yeah, but, yeah he, but certainly not worthy. I, I think we're now we're, we're stretching to find a Cardinal. Yeah. Right? Uh, we're we're really we're really struggling. Yeah, I changed the whole, whole superlative to get yeah. a cardinal. Yeah. Uh, coming up next year on 101 ESPN, we're heading down the stretch with rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock! Let's rock today. Time for Rock and Roll, heading down the stretch here of the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, we, we've talked multiple times about the new record that was set in the NBA. Uh, last night, the Pistons lost their 27th game in a row, and it's pretty bad. You know, when you're, when you're up there with the uh, trust the process Sixers, uh, there's not a, really a, a lot of good things to look at. But I do want to say, if you are a Detroit Pistons fan, there actually is some positivity because unlike those Sixers teams, uh, their first overall pick from a year ago, Cade Cunningham, is actually really good. And last night he scored uh, 41 points in the loss. He went 15 of 21 from the field and 3 of 4 for deep. He's not really a shooter. And in fact, this season he's averaging 23, 7, and 4. So kind of like with the Cardinals and Blues, yeah, they might not be good, but you know, some young players to be positive about, right? And they have the highest paid coach in the league. 
Hey, there you go. There well, you that's, go. That, well, yeah. that's yeah. Awesome. I don't think the. Yes, I, I appreciate what King Cunningham is doing, but is he convincing me that he can lead my team to a championship when he has been a part of losing twenty-seven in a row? No. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not leading a team, but they, they are bad. And, and listen, Monty, Monty is a big, big contract. So I'm not sure what's going to happen in Detroit. But like you said, if you're a Pistons fan right now and you're also a Lions fan, you're taking this trade every time. Oh, yeah, 100%. Every soul time. Soul, eye for an eye, right? Well, yeah, not only that, but you've got Jack Flaherty if you're in Detroit, too. Oh, yeah. Jack so, Flaherty is there. A lot, a lot of good things happening in Motown. Mm-hmm. Also, and I'm, I'm going to do something I don't like, but uh, I'm going to blame Brooke for this one. Okay. Skip Bayless. Oh, no. <laughs> Why are we blaming? Oh, I, oh I, now I know. Okay. He jumped into the discourse on the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, mother, as the fans call her, Taylor Swift. Uh, not the best audio quality, but then again, it's Steven, It's uh, Skip Bayless, so it wasn't going to be great in the first place. Here's Skip Bayless commenting on the Chiefs and Taylor Swift. Because it's teetering. That Taylor Swift effect from on high, it is, she is a mega star of stars, and Mahomes' wife is up there in the box with her, and all of a sudden, it, it starts to creep in your mind that we have to deal with this. We have to get, they get asked that's questions much, constantly. So. Yeah. That, that, that's so a bit much for me. To, to, what I mean by that is, I understand that they're boys. Right, I understand that they boys, but like you see, Skip thing up there to get it's just that's a lot. It's just a lot. It's a lot of stuff on top of the battles that you're now facing on the field. So, so there's Skip Bayless, Michael Irvin. You saw kind of chiming in there, saying that's a that's a lot. That's a lot. But then Keyshawn Johnson was the other voice there with the the point alongside Skip. You know, I don't see anything controversial with this, Randy. Just ban women from games, right? Get them off the the field. Yeah. Get them out of the press box. Get them. Get the women out of there because they are so distracting <laughs> that they're getting in their heads. And while you're at it, shoulders are very distracting too. You know what? I shoulders agree. are very distracting. You yeah. got to watch out for those shoulders too. Yeah. Can you? What, I mean, what about the ankle? Like you can see ankles oh, sometimes. Yes. And I, I, how are you supposed to look at the ball and know that I got to move when the ball moves? If at the same time I might. I might, oh, I, might, that, I might just those ankles can I be very distracting. You better watch over. out for that. That's the solution here. That's what they're getting to, right? Well, yeah, and I, I think that they're 100 percent right, Brooke. I, I I think what has to happen here, and I think it was Don Shula one time who told his players before a Super Bowl, he said, "Don't have relations with your significant other, your wife, before the game because that will affect your ability to perform at a high level." And I think that's one of the things that's happening here. I think what we need to do in Kansas City is just like you say, not only eliminate women from the stadium, but eliminate <laughs> women from the lives of the football players. Yeah, you just, there's such a distraction. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because someone from the 501 texted in, get them off the roads too. We're going back. We're going back completely in time. We're going completely back in time. But, of course, we're joking here. All jokes aside, that's such a silly take. There's no way that that is affecting these players. There's a lot of stuff going on because this team has a lot of problems outside of Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey. All right? Uh, I would suggest, and somebody does text in. And and here's the thing, Randy. Even prior to Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey. Wouldn't you say the Chiefs were already a very well-watched team and had a lot going on anyways? I mean, Arrowhead is a very packed stadium. A lot of people go to those games. A lot of people watch the games because they like the product that's been on the field. You had the brother of the superstar quarterback going to Washington and doing a video from the 
dedication of the late Sean Taylor's spot on the turf. And nobody ever complained about that when they were winning. But now that they're losing games by three points, seven points, mm-hmm. they've lost their receivers, uh, the, they lost their left tackle. It's almost as if people have lost their minds, too. It's amazing. <laughs> it's You know, look at what is happening on the football field. Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, one of the things that uh, Coach Vermeil taught us, and we weren't, we weren't taught a lot about football before Coach Vermeil came to St. Louis, but one of the things that he pointed out is that the other team is trying to win, too. What? Yep. It they, is. They, no. they, they's yes. on scholarship too. Yes, Randy. and and no. so here's what they do. They're they're watching that tape. We've mentioned this on the show. They're watching that tape of Travis Kelsey, and they know that nobody else is catching balls. So they're double and triple teaming Travis Kelsey. It happens, and so I think that might be a part of what's bothering the Mahomes to Kelsey connection as well, rather than just Swifty. Here's the thing. Mm. Here's my issue. What superstars Kadarius Tony dating that we just haven't figured out yet? That's a great question. Mm. I mean, can you imagine the global superstar that he must be dating mm. right now? Yep. Did you know that Russell Wilson? Well, I mean, it has to be. Yeah. yeah. Did you know Russell Wilson once won a Super Bowl? But that was no. before, that was after that was before he met Sierra, right? No. No, he had met Sierra. He had already. met Sierra. But I'm getting texts that women weaken legs. Because <laughs> well, apparently, that's what, that's what Coach Shula said. I, honestly, I thought they were quoting what's his uh, again. What's his name from Rocky? I watched Tiger Woods walk. F- no. 18 holes, four days in a row, a lot. And it didn't look like his legs were that weak. <laughs> There's a lot happening then. Talk happening. about distractions. There was yeah. a lot of distractions during that time period. Again, <laughs> Mahomes and Kelsey need to stay off every damn commercial. Focus on what you're good at. You would be shocked at when a lot of these commercials get filmed, my friend. Mm-hmm. You, it, would, it would absolutely lay oh, you out <laughs> when a lot of these commercials are getting filmed. Yeah. No way. And I think one thing that we probably need to point out here is that there are periods of time throughout the NFL offseason where players aren't even allowed in team facilities and aren't allowed to talk to coaches. No. Yes. What? It does happen. It happens crazy, for February Randy. and March and most of <laughs> April and then the month of July leading up to training camp from mini camp in uh, mid-June to the start of July. Yeah, Ma- Matthew is right. There are times where players aren't allowed to practice or play football. We got a really good text and somebody goes, you know what? I wish we had good character quarterbacks where there was no headlines about their wife, like Kurt Warner. I watched the movie. Didn't even touch was that movie brain. pretty accurate? The Kurt Warner movie? Uh, no, but, oh, okay. uh, but she was she was well known in town. Brenda was so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Brenda and Eddie, yeah. No, good. she's a very strong personality. Yeah, when I met is. her, I was like, oh, I yeah. was like, this is a tough yeah. woman. She yeah. had military experience. She did. She had military hair for a while. <laughs> she did. She All did. Right. Yes. Am I wrong? No. No. Right? no. Uh, thank you, Matthew. I, don't, I didn't think you could dye your hair in the military. Or put it in a mohawk. Oh, no. I'm talking about 1999. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, uh, what happened in 1999? They won the Super Bowl. Mm, no, I'm talking about her Super hair. Nice. Oh, her hair. It yeah. was like a, like a military bus cut. I'm gonna, Great. Oh, in 1999. I'm going to shock you right now, but people in St. Louis didn't handle a woman having short hair very well in 1999. No. Who no, could have seen that coming? I don't think it had happened very well in 2024 either. No. <laughs> people Progress. do still get upset. Yes. Woo-hoo. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Producer and audio and video engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Brooke, was this fun? This was. How about that? How about that? How about that? 
Uh, Danny Mac is coming up. Danny Mac will join us here on this show on January 9th. And then you've got BK and Ferrario and the Fast Lane coming up. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great hump day, St. Louis. And now for something completely different. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.